Welcome to another round of the Effies. This time we will be doing Game of Thrones. I am your announcer, Hannah. To another episode of Planet Fantasy, and we're your host. I'm from House Fantasy, Damon, and he's your other host from House Phoebe, Kyle. How's it going? Thank you for that title. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm pretty good, man. You know, unfortunately, another loss for our boys, the Saints, today. But what are you gonna do? <laughs> what, what are you gonna do? Um, <laughs> yeah, that was tough. I I didn't even get to watch it because I don't even. Uh, this season is a I don't want to say a lost cause, but it's a it's a lost cause. I'll it's a clusterfuck. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, in other news, I've been watching movies I haven't been I've never watched before. Just going down that route still. Watched some some really good ones recently. Uh That Thing You Do. Really fun. Really fun yeah, movie. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh any any fun watches you've had recently, Kyle? Um, so I've been, I was going to do a full chronological rewatch of Star Wars in anticipation of Book of Boba Fett. And then I overestimated how much Star Wars I could watch before that premieres. So I skipped some stuff. I was going to do Clone Wars. Uh, I watched that all the time, so I didn't need to rewatch the whole thing. Um, but I watched a, a select few episodes and then I jumped into my rebels rewatch which is much more exciting because i've only seen i've only seen it all the way through like once or twice um so that's been super fun i was telling damon and ryan before we recorded that kanan is just such a good character he's one of my favorite jedi um but yeah that's kind of taken over my life right now it's just a full star wars rewatch i love it speaking of our other guest he is from the house of memes Ryan, it's good to have you back. How's it going? What's up? Yes, what is memed may never die. <laughs> such uh, such poetic words right there. Ryan, have you been watching anything fun as of late? Uh, yes. So um, as you guys and our friend Anna are well aware, um, besides a few things, um, my, my binges are notoriously slow. So I am um, catching up on Vikings. Um, I made it through i'm through half of season five like they split season five and half for some reason so i just finished the first half of that and i, I started the second half so that's been interesting fun i i hear very good things about that show I, I need to give it a watch one day um your favorite character ryan um probably uh bjorn ironside i guess but there's a lot of good characters so gotcha i have to keep an eye out on him when i watch all right, y'all. Down to business. We are here for another Effies. And we are giving awards to one of the best shows of the 2010s. One of the most controversial endings of a show ever. Um, there's a lot to talk about, so let's dig in. We are doing the Game of Thrones, Effies. Are y'all ready? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can I wait? All right. Let's get into it. 
And here are the nominees for House Motto. House Motto. Otherwise known as the best catchphrase. This is one we are essentially going towards that is essentially skirting around the fact that there's so many great lines and quotes in Game of Thrones that uh, this is going to let us talk about more. But also, this is mainly those sayings that are more than just a saying. They, there's something that's been said by multiple characters in the show. Maybe maybe your house motto is, of course, something that's uttered by more than people, you know, a couple of very famous quotes, you know, that we're going to go with. So, Ryan, start us off. What's your nom? Oh, wow. Okay. We're, we're not doing a game or anything. We're just getting right into it. Yes, sir. No game okay. needed in noms. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm going to go um, a bit off the board, actually, because um, the motto is not for a specific house. It's for an entire region. Um, and it's the North Remembers. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's uh, it's a good encapsulation of Northerners. They, they're very trustworthy, um, but they have long memories. And if you wrong them, um, you will get paid back uh, tenfold, as um, Ari shows the phrase. And um, John shows, Ram- and John and Sans, I should say, shows um, Ramsey Bolton and the rest of the Boltons. So... Um, yeah, it's just a really good encapsulation of, of the Northern way and um, just a motto that I enjoy more than the Starks, you know, winter is coming, which is fine, but, you know, it's fairly standard. So, um, yeah, that's that's the one that I will uh, nominate first. All right, Kyle, what's your nom? Yeah, I'm glad we're doing this and differentiating it from just our best quote because then this gives us a chance to really cover what is like there's so many good like standout quotes from this show but i took this as like really like the catchphrase that like everyone quotes from this show whether you've even seen the show like i'm pretty sure mine that i'm picking i think i said this before i had even seen the show because i had just heard it so many times comes from our guy uh little finger peter baelish and that is chaos is a ladder uh i think if there's anything that sums up what this show is, it's that is that is just show is just chaos, right? It's just there's so much going on and so much world building and backstabbing and betrayal and incest and <laughs> bad writing sometimes. Uh, but it, it really is just such a chaotic show. And first of all, like love or hate him, we all hate him. But like I love the way that Littlefinger really does use this to his advantage. The, the chaos is a ladder. And you, he uses it like that. He uses it to climb the ranks and to get, you know, in people's good graces and and be that uh, worm tongue kind of advisor, right? Um, but yeah, chaos is a ladder. I think it's just a, a perfect summation of what this show is. You'll leave me with with the, some several amazing ones to choose from. I'm going to nominate Lannisters always pay their debts. Mm. It's classic. I love me some Lannisters. There's there's that dirty family. They they just love some mess. And this one's just like, you know, just shows that the fact that they will always take care of what they need to do. If they say something, they're going to take care of it. They're always going to pay back what they need to. And uh, we, we see that in full several times throughout the show. And I think it uh, really plays back against towards, you know, the North remembers very similar kind of sayings almost. You know, like they they don't forget the past. They take care of uh, of the past and, you know, look towards the future at the same time. It's just uh, different ways they go about it. 
but uh, I, I love that one. So that's my nom. Uh, any other additional noms you wanted to throw out uh, since this is such a loaded field? Um, I'll just throw in just because another, like I see this on t-shirts and I, it was something I was aware of before I even saw the show was Tyrion. That's what I do. I drink and I know things, which is so like more than like a Game of Thrones quote is such a universal nerd thing like nerds just say this now like we drink and we know things it's what we it's like a nerd culture quote now so it's kind of elevated past the series at this point that's very true that that's a good one to add ron did you have any extras yeah uh there's a few other good ones but i i guess i'm gonna go with the um, motto of house martel um unbowed unbent unbroken Mm. um the martels are sort of controversial because they're they're not all used well in the show, um, much better in the books, at least up to this point, since they're still writing. Um, but I, I think it um, it really captures their ethos. Um, originally, they were the only uh, region that was not conquered by Aegon the Conqueror when um, the Targaryens took over Westeros. Um, and they just have continued that model of, you know, we're going to live the way that we want, how, you know, how we want, and, you know, fuck you if um, you don't like it, so... Um, and that, like, I, I think Oberyn um, really, like, encapsulates that. But really all the Martells do uh, in some way or another, um, again, illustrated uh, a lot better in the books. So, Okay, one more motto I must add before we vote. Winter is coming. While maybe it is cliche and just tiring at this point, at the beginning it was awesome. And it, it was very foreboding. It, it told us of promises of, of you know, dangerous winter. And then as we got there, it, it, it kind of floundered. <laughs> but at the beginning, it was very strong. Yep. So I think it deserves the at least the nom. But now for the votes. Ryan, which one gets yours? Oof. Oh, that's tough. Um... I, I guess I'm going to go with Kyle's um, Chaos is a Ladder, Mark Barbour, Littlefinger. Um, I had that as one of my uh, best quote noms, and um, I really enjoy that whole um, back and forth exchange with Ferris. And um, it does really um, encapsulate Littlefinger's worldview. Uh, and he's someone who I think you could say more than any one person led um, to the conflict um, that took over the, the kingdom. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a really good one. So I'm going to go with that one. And a little finger with the vote. Kyle, what's yours? Uh, I guess Ryan and I are trading. Cause yeah, I'm going to vote for the uh, the North Remembers. I, I think that that is such a... I think it's like... It's really powerful and strong in the context of the series. But it's also one... Because I was considering winter is coming as well, but like like you said, Damon, it now the impact of it isn't felt as much. But when I hear the North remembers, it's such a like a strong, powerful statement, and it does sum up a lot of what you get early on in the series. So yeah, I'm gonna vote for the North remembers. Man, all right, that's a tough one. I like all of these. Of course, any of them could wind up be okay with it. I think I'm going to go for the North Remembers just because of how strong it is at the end of the series. Sansa is essentially, you know, you know, ruling the North. It's essentially separate um, from anything else. And she's just like she's 
done with it all. Like she knows what happened before they remember and they're not going to let it happen again. Um, you know, they're, they're not isolated so much as just reserved and, and they just want to make sure that their people are taken care of. And, uh, I, I just, yeah, I really love how that motto moved through the series and it really became so strong at the end. So I think that one, that's my vote. And I think that's the W. And the Effie goes to? The North Remembers. And here are the nominees for the Mic Drop Award. All right, the Mic Drop Award. I think an award that is like, tailor-made for game game of thrones when you have a series that kind of makes its bag on shocking moments um lots to choose from we will probably do double nominees for this as well but for the first nominee damon what you got for the mic drop award all right um essentially what i think the award should be called going forward the red uh the red wedding (laughs) is what it should be called because i I'm not a book reader of these. Uh, I want to start reading them all if he ever would, you know, finish the series. I'm kind of nervous about starting if he's just not going to. I've been burned by this series once before. <laughs> Don't want to get burned again. But so I was going in like, oh, man, I was a huge Rob fan. I loved Rob Stark. I was like, oh, man, this is great. It's going to take down Stannis and everybody. I hated Stannis. We'll get to him later, I'm sure. Um, and then, and like that, watching that scene, I don't remember like vividly if I remember getting any uneasy feelings. But as soon as you see them lock the door, and Catherine start like freaking out, you're just like, oh, oh. And then it just unfolds, and it's not. It's like it's not even a very short scene either. It, it takes a while. Like, you know, there's multiple deaths going on talking Walter Frey, just saying like, you know, I'm not, I wasn't going to forget. And, you know, and then just shooting with the arrows and then ugh, the whole Catherine throat slit and just, just screaming was just viscerally un, unsettling and uncomfortable. But like the, the credits rolled. And I remember not being like, I think vocal for like maybe a couple of minutes. I just was in awe. I just didn't know what to do with myself at all. So that had to be my nom. Kyle, what's yours? All right. Am I, my computer's frozen. Am I muted? No, we can hear you. Okay, good. Um, Yeah, so that was my initial uh, nominee, but I'm glad we have, Lots to choose from, like I said. So I think I'm going to go with one that when you look at the series as a whole, I feel like this one maybe gets a little overlooked because it is a series that has so many different shocking moments. But I think in terms of things that really change the series, it's a little over halfway through the series. Uh, I was also a big Rob fan, but, you know, once we lose him, I was all in on John. And I was like, Jon Snow is our our main guy. He's he's going to make it to the end of the series. And. End of season five, like, I was like, holy shit, they just killed Jon Snow. Like, So I'm going with uh, the Night's Watch turning on Jon Snow at the end of season five. I, I think that that was just a moment that... So I came to the series very late, and the Red Wedding was ruined for me, and a lot of big moments were ruined for me before I saw the show. But I 
No one told me about Jon Snow. I assumed that he was in the show from the beginning to the end and in every part of the show. And he, I guess, technically is. But I didn't think there was a death in between there. <laughs> uh, and so it was a little easier for me going from that to immediately watching the season six pilot or the season six first episode and then seeing that he gets brought back. So it was a little easier. But still, like I, that that changed the series for me because I, I at that point, I, w- I was so thrown off and I had no idea. I was like, well, now I, I don't know who the main character of this show is. I, I, w- I could have sworn it was going to be John until the very end. And so now it's it really changes how you view the series and who you should be rooting for after that point. So that's my pick. Love it. Brian, your nom. Yeah, so um, those are both really good choices. Um, I am going to go with... Um, Arya killing the Night King, um, season eight, episode three, The Long Night. Um, based on the way things played out, uh, unless there was like a, a huge, just like crazy twist um, where everybody becomes zombies, like you, you kind of figured the Night King would die. Um, but specifically the way that it happens, that it's Arya and that she pulls it off with the knife drop um, and uses all the all the skills that she had developed through the, the long long journey that she had (laughs) through the show um i think is a really great payoff um and just looking at that and just the last season as a whole like obviously it's a mess but there are a lot of great moments in that season and um that one is is right up there near the top love it i definitely have to throw out another nom because i believe this one more than anything set us up for all of the other shocky moments it told us this isn't your your normal show anything can happen and when ned lost his head there was no looking back i was just like what (laughs) they did what they i mean of course sean bean died of course (laughs) but that soon like it it was just i was like wow and then from there, it's just everything was un- like you could expect anything. So for that alone, it was just oh, so good. Any other ones from y'all? I think one that really sold me on like the threat of the Night King was in Hard Home when he that moment when you see him like raise the dead. I think that was really the first time you get a sense of like, holy shit, this is a formidable villain and. Of course, that doesn't really matter in the end of the show. But at that point, he was the main threat of the series. And so especially it's it's played so well by Kit, like his reaction to it really sells it. He's like, holy shit, he just raised the dead in front of me. <laughs> so that's a moment. I love Hard Home. It's one of my favorite episodes. I might talk about it later. But that moment in, in particular is one that just always is such a like a mic drop moment for the series. Ron, any more from you? Or are you ready to vote? Yeah, I'll, I'll throw out one more that I think should be mentioned. Um, Cersei blowing up the high steps um, mm. in uh, The Winds of Winter, Season 6, Episode 10. Um, it, it's less about a shocking moment and more about, like, she's not really going to do this, is she? And then, like, it just sort of builds in that incredible intro sequence. And then, sure enough, uh, she does. <laughs> she takes uh, all of her enemies at least in king's landing out in one fell swoop um and uh yeah it was um an incredible 
just like moment to happen and also like visually it's a it's a shocking uh, moment the blowing up you know the green fire um just you know like encompassing first the high sparrow and then um just ripping through the sets and like half of king's landing it seems like so that's a good one those are all amazing my votes for the the red wedding it it has to be um still just the most shocking and most when i think of surprises that's the that's one of the things i think of just in in media in general is that thing right there so that's my vote kyle yeah that's that's my vote as well and it's also like i said that was ruined for me not the so what, what was a good thing is that when i came to the series and got to that point I didn't know where it was in the series, so I knew it was a thing. I just did. I had no, my guard was off because I didn't know when to expect it, which was great. And I didn't know who was killed. It's just I had people tell me about the red wedding, and it's just the slaughter where a bunch of people are killed. So thankfully, I still a lot of the details I still was in the dark about, and it just it just hits like it's it's still one of those things where it's such a cultural thing now, where you can look up like YouTube videos of people watching the show in like a pub or something. And that moment happens and you can hear a fucking pin drop like it's dead silent because it's just so what they did so well is that it's so shocking. And Damon, you mentioned this, but like the 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 shocking part of it continues into the credits. Like you hear the screaming and then it's just I think I don't think there's any music in the end credits. It's just dead silence. And it just lets you sit there with like the like the tragedy of what just happened. And it is it's at that point, Rob is really your main guy and he's he's. He's the guy you want to root for. And so at, you're completely thrown off after that. And so, yeah, that's that is the moment that really elevates, I think, the series as a whole and makes it a, a series that you have to pay attention to going forward. So that's that's my vote as well. Ryan, is it a clean sweep? Yeah, it's got to be. Um, it, it's, you know, the the Red Wedding was just made for this award. And um so my my journey with this was I saw I hadn't heard of a Game of Thrones or Song of Ice and Fire, so um, I saw season one when it came out, and then after that I read all of the books, and so I knew what happened because of the books. And after I read through the Red Wedding part, I had to take a break, like at least like three or four days. I'm like, I I can't I can't handle this right now. Um, <laughs> and then so um, I I knew it was coming in the show, but I wasn't quite sure when. Um, and I mean, you guys have talked about like how it sort of captured the, the pop culture moment. Um, there are a number of videos on YouTube of people who read the books, uh, who watched the show, people that did not, uh, and they filmed their <laughs> friends and family members reactions of the wed- red wedding. And it's just classic. It deserves a clean sweep. Much deserved. That's the W. And the F.E. goes to the red wedding and here are the nominees for a song of something something a song of something something i just want to say real quick i i'm not trying to brag but i'm really happy with the names that came up with these awards because this just makes me giggle i don't know why uh because i'm 12 years old but this is basically our best musical moment you know ramin jawadi is a fantastic composer he we just heard his great score with eternals that just came out but i think game of thrones is definitely his like most recognizable work so this can be any this can also be just any moment of music in the in the show it can be like a sung song or it can be a a moment of like the score but basically anything so ryan what's your nominee for best musical moment oh okay um 
there are a lot of good ones. Um, I'm going to go with uh, one which is, um, it's just background music. It's not um, a song or anything sung, um, but it's the music that plays um, when Danny arrives at Winterfell um, in season one, episode, season eight, episode one. Um, and it's, it's just a great scene. You see this northern kid um, who's sort of running to, to catch a glimpse of uh, the army coming. Um, and it's a really great and like powerful song that's being played in the background. Um, it's similar to the song that's played in the pilot um, when King Robert comes to Winterfell. Um, but it's, it's tweaked a bit. Um, because the stakes are a lot higher in this point, obviously because of everything that's happened in the story. And also the fact that no one's really sure what the um, Daenerys' army's reception is going to be when they get to Winterfell. So um, yeah, I think that's a, it's a great scene and, and the music in the background is really good. Kyle, your nom. Uh, that's, that's a great shout. I, I had actually forgot about that moment. That's a really good pick. Um, I'm going to go with one that, Ryan just mentioned this moment earlier for the mic drop award, but I'm going to go with the light of the seven in uh, the winds of winter. That whole sequence is just so gripping. And like, I love how I mean, it's a pretty long sequence at the beginning of that episode. And it's just, the tension is felt the whole time. But what I love about this part or this specifically the music in this scene is that uh, up to this point, Rami and Jawadi, he really hadn't used a whole lot of piano in the show's score. It was a lot of orchestral music, a lot of strings and he even said in an interview about this episode that he intentionally did that because he wanted the show to feel very grand and because it's a high fantasy series, he wanted it to feel very elevated. But for this particular particular scene, he wanted, when you hear those piano notes, he wanted you to feel uneasy and like feel like something was off and obviously mission accomplished, right? Like, because it, it definitely sets up that grand moment of her uh blowing up the seven uh but the sept excuse me and so like the 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 moment when you hear that piano yeah it immediately triggers like this feeling of like you think something's off but you don't know really what and then it, it just builds and builds to that like you hear like that choir in the background and it's really haunting but i just think that the key part of that is the piano in the beginning which is immediately if you've been listening to game of thrones music until that moment you can tell something's different so it kind of sets it apart that's that's my vote for my nominee. I love that. My nom has to be Podrick, our boy Pod, singing Jenny of Old Stones. Uh, in my opinion, one of the best parts of season eight. You know, just that whole episode. Some of my favorite parts of fan of, you know, of any kind of fantasy or so any show is when you have people you care about just talking and it's meaningful. It's important. You know, you're learning stuff about them and and it's just it's like you're really peering into their souls and, you know, just seeing something so intimate and something like that was so great. And then to have it, you know, capped off with the whole the nighting, of course, and then Podrick singing was just beautiful. You know, that song was great. It really set the mood, get everyone ready for that, that battle going forward. So that's my mom. Any additional ones before we wanted to vote? Yeah, um, I think one that's really good is um, 
Daenerys' theme, um, specifically when um, Danny saves the crew uh, from going beyond the wall, or as Jason calls it, uh, the bad plan episode. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I think um, Daenerys' theme is consistently one of the best musical parts of the show. And in my opinion, my favorite um, version of that is when she arrives on Drogon uh, with Viserion and they um, shoot up a bunch of the uh, the zombies um, to help save uh, everyone who ventured north of the Wall. Love it. Any others, guys? Uh, I just wanted to give a shout to... I have mixed feelings about the long night as an episode, but the score that plays for it's called the night. The track is called the night King, but basically that whole final sequence before Arya swoops in and kills him, you get Theon sacrificed in there, but that whole moment is, is beautiful. Like that, that music kind of encapsulates the real, like there's a real hopeless feeling at the end of that battle. Like you really think the night King is going to win. And so that, that moment is, is really great, but that's, that's it for me. All right. Um, Ryan, what's your vote? Uh, yeah, it's, um, these are all really good choices, um, but I gotta go with Light of the Seven. Um, it wins a winner is just such a good episode, and, um, the, the piano and the organ and the strings and that are great, um, but I think what really, really puts it above and beyond is the pacing uh, of both the song and the scene in the background, and how it really builds up, um, to the eventual crescendo of the, um, the set being taken out, so, yeah, that's my vote. Kyle, what's yours? Uh, I, I think I'm going to vote for that one as well. Just like what, to echo what Ryan said, I think the key here is, that's a great shot, is, is pacing. It, it, the way it, it could easily have been a sequence that kind of overstayed its welcome or, or whatever, but the way it builds the suspense and I think what what's key there is the music. Like, like that whole sequence wouldn't be able to build as properly as it does without the the score adding that extra amount of tension. So that's that's my vote as well. It's a clean sweep. That is my vote. That scene, that, that episode, the music, it all works so wonderfully well together. Um, the build-up. The thing I love about Thrones um, throughout is the way they handle important big scenes. It's, it's like they'll set up like a build-up through the episode, and then at some point it's like, you get to a point, it's like, okay, the next 20, 30 minutes is, is whatever is about to happen. It's just, you're full into it. It's They they commit into what they're about to do, and it's epic. It's it's all out, usually, and this one was just, it was, it, it just unveiled. Every single was, like, just another layer unfolding. It's like, oh, wow, okay. Oh, then it's just, this is happening again. You see our boy Lancel following the little kid. It, it's just... And then you see, like, oh, what's about to happen? It's like, and everyone, you see what's it, who's it about to happen to? And then it's just a culmination of everything that is Cersei. And just the fact that the, the piano and the hauntingness of it. Music is supposed to make you feel a certain way. It's a manipulation tool used in movies and TV to to great effect. And the best makes you feel you know exactly what it wants you to and this just made you feel uneasy this just yep. made you feel anxious it's like just dread building up until it just explodes like the set did i love it i love that scene oh it's so good i love the music of this show mm -hmm. all of it's fantastic i should say yeah and the effie goes too
Light of the Seven. And here are the nominees for the Dunk and Egg Award. The inaugural Dunk and Egg Award. I love this award. It was made because of this show, because of this Effie's. The name is beautiful. Um, I love play on words. But essentially, we are just about to dunk mercilessly (laughs) on Game of Thrones. What are the biggest mistakes that they that they did? What are they? There's a lot to choose from, y'all. Um, let, let's dive in. Kyle, what's your knob? So I, I do think I think this award is very important for this FES. I think for any like series or franchise that if you really truly love an IP, you kind of kind of earn the right to dunk on it at certain points, right? Like they're part of loving something is really acknowledging the flaws in it too. And so with this, I didn't want to go with like, I'm personally just taking this as like the biggest like story beats that I just feel were so unearned or like just, just felt like such a misstep as far as characterization goes. So I'm going to go with one that to this day still just makes me so angry because it involves what, what was one of my favorite characters. And I can't even call him one of my favorite characters anymore. And that's Jamie leaving basically Jamie's whole season eight arc. But Jamie specifically having the, the incredible moment of knighting Brienne and we finally getting them come, come together in that really great scene and then leaving her for Cersei. And then the manner in which he and Cersei die, it's just it's just so baffling. It's like you you were on track to give us one of the best redemption arcs, like rivaling like Zuko, like that level of redemption arc. And you just bungle it in the final season just because, and they, they, I think they even defended it later on saying like, well, we set up Jamie and Cersei from the very beginning. I'm like, well, yeah, that's called an arc. Like you set it up for it to grow and not be the, like he's supposed to move on from Cersei. He's supposed to grow and like not be so dependent on that relationship anymore. That's the whole point of him meeting Brienne. And I just, it was, uh, it's just, it, it, the, the biggest part of it is like I mentioned, it comes so quickly after this beautiful moment of him knighting her. And this is a moment that was like really earned. It was years in the making of these two characters who had a really, really great connection and he knights her and it's a beautiful moment and you get their, their, their scene. It's just wonderful. And then he just leaves and he's like, he goes and finds Cersei and it's just years of character development down the drain. And so he was like, he was probably going into season eight. I would say he was, if not my favorite, definitely my top three favorite Thrones characters. And now I, I don't even know if I can say he's top five because of season eight, which is so unfortunate because I love Nikolaj. I think he gave a wonder. I think even in the scenes with Cersei that I didn't like, he gave a wonderful performance. It's just the writing failed him so badly in season eight. Kyle, Kyle, it's Nikolaj. Nick, okay, Nikolaj. There we go. Nikolaj. (laughs) Nikolaj. I feel like I'm being punked. (laughs) Sorry, I had to do a Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh, okay, yeah. Boyle's kid, right? Is that okay? Yeah. (laughs) I was like, oh no, did I just offend someone? I thought you guys were both in on that. Wow, that's that's even funnier now. Okay, yeah. Ryan, Ryan, what's your nom? Yeah, I mean, there, God, there are so many. Um, I, I tempted to just in-universe stuff as opposed to like, um, you know, mistakes that the, the writers or the showrunners make. I didn't want to dwell on that too much. Um, 
Ooh, geez, there's there's quite a few. Okay, um, yeah, I, I'm gonna go with um, Rob marrying Talisa. Um, so when they get married, season ten, season two, episode ten of Valar more clueless. Um, there, despite how his campaign goes really well, um, even better than can be expected for a character so young. Um, Rob did eventually make a few mistakes, um, but there was only one of them that pissed off Walder Frey, and so I'm going to go with that one. Um, you know, we, we love Rob and Rob and Salisa had, had some really great, uh, connection and, and they were in love and I do feel for him in that aspect, but you just can't piss off someone who is so volatile, um, and then holds such a, like a key position, strategic position, um, to where you're going to need him, um, later on. And, um, it, it ends up that and a few other mistakes that Rob makes, um, it ends up leading to, you know, his horrific death along with Talisa and his mother and his whole army. And, you know, you don't, you don't want to blame him for all of that because obviously, like, you know, Walder and, and Tywin's team to make that happen. But um, Rob was really short-sighted when he spurned um, Walder Frey's uh, granddaughter. And uh, it, uh, it really came back to, to bite them, unfortunately. So, Yeah. <laughs> in hindsight he, he probably would have took that one back maybe um yeah don't, don't get married for the wrong reasons kid <laughs> get married to ensure diplomatic uh you know truces and alliances and war that's the only reason to marry folks <laughs> <laughs> um my nom who better than bran who better than Bran the Broken? The Three-Eyed Raven. Bran, are you ready? It's what I've been waiting for. No, it hasn't, you idiot. You literally said you weren't wanting to rule. What's wrong with you? This makes no sense. No. Snow. I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay. Um, but really, though. I hate it. <laughs> I don't like it. If you were going to do that, it should have been set up in some way. There should have been some form of foreshadowing. Not, I don't see any foreshadowing for that at all. So it was just felt like it was something. If if it if it's what uh, our good boy George told them was actually going to happen. And then they were just like, how the hell are we going to get to there? I can see like the fact that they've messed up so bad, but still maybe then you should have decided, let's just make a different ending. Then if we can't make it work, I'm also going to be upset if George decides to do that for his real ending, because regardless of how you write it, I, I don't, I just don't get it. I don't want it. I don't want brand needs to be the three eyed Raven. Not the king of Westeros. That's mine. Yeah. <laughs> um, did we want to add any others real quick, y'all? I will say one. I don't know if this is really a mistake or just a... It's just frustrating in that uh, John's heritage is such a huge thing going into the series. You just It's such a big plot line. And then you learn that, you know... You learn about his parentage, and then going into season eight, it just doesn't 
matter. Like it doesn't factor at all. It just makes you uncomfortable when he and Danny are making out. Like that's the only reason it matters is like, oh, that's your aunt, dude. Like it's that's the only importance it plays. Other than that, it really we could have been told anything else. We could have been told like anything and it it would have mattered more to the plot. So it just it just ultimately was like a you built up such a huge thing to just not give us any reward for it, you know? I almost see like Benioff and Weiss being like but that was a part of why Danny, you know, became the Mad Queen. And it's like, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. <laughs> did is that? Did anyone want to nominate that real quick? The, the Mad Queen turn, or I feel I felt I feel less like about that one as than I did upon. So when the bell when the bells came out, I was like that. That was rough. Like, I wasn't a fan. And I still am not a huge fan, but I'm not... It doesn't feel as much as an egregious, like... Because there's a lot of people who said there was no build-up whatsoever to her snapping. And I'm like, well, no, that's the kind of the whole fucking point yeah. of her arc. Like, of course she was going to snap. She said she wanted to break the wheel in, like, season, what, two, three, something like that? Mm-hmm. So that made sense in in universe it just felt like a very sudden and i think it that's more a fault of like the pacing of the season as a whole in universe it makes some semblance of sense i agree actually i just wanted to see if someone wanted to any (laughs) other noms y'all yeah i had one um uh, onto a um a much better moment for daenerys um we have um, when the slaver krasnosmo naklas underestimates danny um in season three, episode four, and now his watch has ended. Um, as a refresher, um, this is when Danny ends up in Astapor with Jorah and Sir Barristan and like a couple Dothraki supporters and her dragons, and that's it. Like the the whole the rest of the draft Dothraki are gone. Um, she doesn't have much left, and so she's trying to barter for an army. And she meets the slaver Krasnis, who has this army of Unsullied, and um, she's trying to trade with him. And throughout the whole time, um, uh, so Krasnaz owns the Unsullied as well as Masande. Um, and so he's talking to Masande in Valerian, uh, just constantly insulting Danny, saying that she's stupid, she's a whore, various other things. Not realizing that Danny speaks Valerian, um, he thought he was just talking to Masande. Uh, and then so eventually she makes the trade where she trades a Drogon for the entire Unsullied army. And the big thing is, you know, whoever holds the whip uh, controls the Unsullied. And so um, she has Drogon chained up and gives them to Krasnes. And as soon as he hands over the whip, she reveals that she can speak Valerian. She knows what's going on the whole time. Um, Drogon lights Krasnes on fire. And then she has the Unsullied kill all of the masters and every, everybody else, all the owners essentially, and take over the whole city of Astapor. And so she goes from having no army um, and having to give up her dragons to getting uh, one of the best armies in the whole land and taking over one of the cities that she wanted to conquer. So um, it was uh, it was quite a mistake by her boy, Krasnis. So. It's, yeah, a real, so- it's a real curb your enthusiasm moment. Like <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he was getting out of this without being burnt to a crisp though i will say i think he could have done everything right and still in the end this was what was going to happen Uh, i will say that um 
those are some good ones. Um, yeah. I'll add one more just because it really it bothers me. Um, the White Walkers just did not feel big enough. The buildup was massive. The threat was huge. And then that's what we got. One battle. Pretty much one battle with them. They didn't even take over um, Winterfell and have them running to the hills and trying to, you know, have have it be King's Landing be the last chance of survival, even. That's what I was hoping would happen. Actual danger and threat and people dying. That's more than anything. It's just the Battle of Winterfell itself was, I think, a mistake of what happened. It should not have been the final battle. It we should have had actual people dying. Mm-hmm. Everyone survived pretty much, almost. Every, yeah. Okay, I won't say not everybody. That would be rude. <laughs> but that's just the fact that that many of them survived was just really unrealistic in a series that was like predicated on people are going to die. So that's it. The Battle of Winterfell just being underwhelming. Yeah, I I think you're right in in that aspect of death part just because I think to Kyle's point, um, it screws up the pacing of the season because then they have to kill a bunch of other characters and like somewhat unrealistic or just ways that don't make sense um, in a few of the other episodes since there were only six episodes in that last season. So um, I don't have as much of a problem with the white... I guess my problem with this more like we don't know their motivation beyond just being evil, I guess, which, yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. That's, that's something, you know, that's, that's definitely a, a fantasy thing. Um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I think at least, yeah, in the terms of not as many named characters dying, cause I definitely thought there would be more. Um, I, I think it, it just adds to some pacing uh, and storytelling problems that they had in the last season. They just ended up not being an actual threat. Yeah. Like, took down the wall and everything. They didn't even make it past Winterfell. That's the most northern point of Westeros, y'all. They didn't do much. <laughs> like, that was all hype. They yeah. were a great white hype, y'all. I mean, tell that to uh, to our boy, poor Ned Umbers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> okay, yeah. okay. They They... I agree with you for the most part. I think the the death part is still worth noting because we do lose, and I'll mention this later with best death. We do lose Jorah, who's that's a big that's a big blow. I mean, that's Danny's yeah. right hand man. So, otherwise, otherwise, I agree though. Yeah, it's, it's him and Theon, and that's it. Like otherwise, they don't really take anyone out. <laughs> yeah, and a battle like that, it's I was expecting three others at least. I was expecting freaking Sam to go out. I was expecting maybe Brienne to go out, you know. Uh, well, I mean, who we, knows? We can't forget our our, our fave uh, Lady Mormont. She she also does go down. So. Yes, that oh, that, was that was brutal. Yeah. That was that was yeah. very tough. And who that knows? Maybe more people died. We just didn't see it because it was yeah. you know so dark. <laughs> We're people are still finding out new people that died. <laughs> yeah, they're still watching the episode. Like, oh, I didn't see that part. <laughs> 20 years from now. So uh, TVs have gotten so good, the lighting has changed, and uh, we found new people that died. There's another Starbucks cup over there. (laughs) And an extra cup. 
Okay, y'all. That, that that's plenty of mistakes. We've dunked on them enough. Who wins the inaugural dunk and egg award? Uh, Kyle, what's your vote? I th- I think I'm gonna vote for Bran becoming king, just because it's it's in a season that is full of decisions that are like head scratchers and and. Most of them are just like, I, I don't know why you would do that. I'm confused. There's two that really made me angry. And they're the one that I, I presented was the Jamie leaving Brienne. But, but the brand one is just like, it's in the finale. And when I got to the finale, at this point, I was watching the show live. Uh, I got to the finale and I was like, all right, it's been rough. It's been a rough season. The Bells was rough. Maybe you can kind of salvage things in the finale. This is a, I mean, this is the serious finale of like the biggest show on TV. You've got to try and wrap things up. And especially because it comes from Tyrion, who is a character who's known for much better judgment than this. Like he's a very cunning character and one of my favorites until season eight. Uh, And it's just such a baffling decision because I like Bran. I don't dislike the character. I think he's a fine character, but like you said, Damon, there's absolutely no indication that this would happen or that he would even want this until this moment. And the fact that that's completely contradicted when he says, like, why do you think I came all this way or whatever? Like, bullshit. Like, you didn't want to become king. Like, <laughs> That's just writing. You know, Like, it's just it's very frustrating because, like I said, a lot of stuff had been a letdown before that point. So I was like, OK, maybe if they give us a satisfying conclusion of who sits on the throne at the end of this show, I can maybe look back on this season as a positive experience. And then they did that. And I'm like, well, fuck you, Game of Thrones. Like, all I have now is, like, Arya has a good ending. And Sansa gets to be queen of the north. That's fine. But Bran being king just makes fucking no sense whatsoever. And it's just frustrating. So that's my vote. He's dead within 10 years. (laughs) It's just all He's not going to be a very effective king. (laughs) He didn't see it. He's like, he's turning into Hamdahl. What, you didn't see that coming? <laughs> uh, Ryan, what's your vote? Jeez, this is, this is really hard. Um, I guess I'll go with um, John's uh, parentage just not mattering, um, just because it, it undercuts so many uh, of the character motivations, um, specifically Ned Stark's. Um, you know, him, like, having to protect John from Robert and so, like, causing trouble in his own family because he lied about, you know, having John as a bastard with another woman, which caused strife with Catelyn and um, her to take that out on John. And then John's just sort of, like, is striving to, to have a place and have a family. And then the tragic Ned, oh, you know, we'll talk about your mother uh, the next time I see you, which, of course, never happens. Um, and it's, and then, you know, learning, um, that, you know, Rhaegar didn't kidnap and rape Lyanna as, you know, was a potential theory of what happened with that. It's just, you know, they were in love and they ran off and they got married. Um, it's, it's a really important part of the story. And then just the way things played out, the way that it just sort of didn't matter, um, was, it was a big letdown. And I think, um was a big mistake by the uh, the showrunners it's 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 either those two or jamie i think personally I, I just the jamie one hits really hard just because it's like really 
like all that work and then it's just just undone <laughs> but then like the other two the ones y'all are voted for are just like looming over the entire show okay the whole idea is like who's going to win the game of thrones who's going to be on it at the end and then the whole idea of like who is Jon snow like the, the the huge theory was always like you know l what is it l plus r equals j yeah or, or, yep like i mean it, it's just like the fact that it actually happened and then it was like used just to for an incest joke essentially just incest awkwardness was all yeah. that really happened and then nothing else came from it like it wasn't like i guess other than it just it i will say i guess it sowed the descent for everyone against Daenerys at the end. It essentially right. led to Varys turning. It led to to them being like Daenerys did something wrong. We need her out. And it it, it flipped the switch to where John had to, you know, end it. I mm -hmm. guess. But that was going to happen anyways, I felt like. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to, to interrupt, but the, the ultimate reason that John takes her out is not because of his claim. Uh, it's because, you know, she massacred an entire city. Exactly. So um, his uh, his heritage, you know, doesn't really matter, at least in the way that he took that out. Like, it, maybe if there had been an uprising, say, even because even John made it clear he didn't want to be king. OK, fine. Like, if there had been something sponsored by Sansa or, you know, someone else in the realm who knew John's heritage and wanted someone else to be on the throne like that, that just would have made a lot more sense and wouldn't have undercut the story as much. I mean, I mean, honestly, it, it's these two are tied together because you've you've could have done the whole idea of the fact like the lead, the one who doesn't want to lead is the is the best suited to to lead. John was not only right the rightful heir, but I mean, he was meant to lead. Like he wasn't, yeah. he didn't want it, but like it was setting that up. It was set up the whole show, his whole journey. He just kept doing things to just help people. Yeah. And it's like, he's like, I don't want to do this, but I have to do this. Like just constantly over and over again. I don't want to be the leader of the Night's Watch, but <laughs> okay, I'm going to do it. I don't want to be the king of the North. Okay. I guess I'm going to do it. It just kept happening. And then for them to say, oh, well at the end, he's like, I'm I don't want it. I don't want it. Well, of course you don't want it, but you're going to take it again, just like you did before. And you're going to be a good king. And then they don't do that. Were they trying to subvert themselves at that point? Maybe. But sometimes something's supposed to happen. Be like, it's written in the in the stars because it, it's supposed to happen. Yeah. And I felt like that was what was supposed to happen. But instead, it was Bran. <laughs> um, so I'm going John's Heritage. I... I it, it, I think I like both. It's like a one A one B. I, I lean towards John's heritage because it ties into to everything for the show and more conflict. I think so. Right. And also, just I like that's our boy. Like I don't care about Bran, but John is my guy. I love John, and it's just like such a disappointing end for him. You know. Yeah, it is. I loved him walking away, like and just going to the north with like with our boy with, with Tormund. Yeah, that was and, great. I, I love that. Because he, he belongs there. Like, I love that he found kind of a new place with with Torment in them. But He's the king of the wildlings. Like, he, he's yeah. running stuff up there. Right. No doubt. 
man. Even then, it's still been fun talking about these mistakes, though. I have to admit. Yes. Like, Game of Thrones does a weird thing about you still get passionate and animated about just how bad they messed up. It's weird. All right, y'all. <laughs> Let's move on. And the Effie goes to... Jon Snow's true heritage amounts to nothing. And here are the nominees for Trial by Combat. Trial by Combat, the Best Fight Award. This is, you know, we've used this award before. It's got a new name for Game of Thrones. I mean, Game of Thrones is just full of so many incredible action sequences sequences and fights. Uh, so, Ryan, kick us off. What's your first nominee for the Best Fight? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, um, like you said, there are so many um, good choices here. Um... I'll go with an underrated one, I think, um, which is um, the Nice Watch versus the Wildlings when they tried to storm Castle Black, um, season four, episode nine, The Watchers on the Walls. Um, it's it's one of the best uh, battle sequences, I would say, in the show. Um, and not only that, there's just so much emotion, um, specifically with John and Egret. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's a real sort of last stand. Um, and then the moment when John sends um, Pip and Gren to uh, hold the gate against um, the giant. And then you find out that, of course, they didn't make it, but they did help hold the gate. Um, it's just a really, really good episode. Um, good fighting um, space around, you know, good character stuff. Um, with, like I said, you mentioned John Eager uh, and Sam, too. Um, so just really really good um for all of our guys and and Tormund had had a good sequence too so um just really really great battle and and, and highlighted all of our favorite characters in, in really good ways i thought love it uh, what's your nom? i'm so glad you mentioned it ryan because that's that was going to be my nominee but i didn't think any of us would talk about it because it's it, like you said it's really underrated and it's in an underrated episode but uh, i'm so glad it was mentioned um so i'm going to go with with one that is a little more it's a little more talked about it's kind of one of the more obvious ones but i, I think that's for a reason i i can't pick maybe this is me cheating i can't pick a specific part of it i'm just going to go with the entire battle of the bastards I, I just think that if i have to pick a part then I, obviously it's going to be that iconic shot of john you know holding that sword with <laughs> everyone coming at him is just I think if there's a single shot from Game of Thrones that without fail gives me chills every time I see it, it's that. Because it's just so fucking epic. And it, that whole battle is incredible. You get John, you get another cool shot later on when John is being like swallowed up by that army. And it looks like a shot from the sky. You see him being like drowned out by them. But I think the whole battle is just brutal and it's really gritty and just shot so well. It's very like fast paced and kinetic and just very... Uh, like you feel like you're there during the battle and it feels very anxiety inducing at points. But like, I just think that that battle was so important uh, in terms of the context of the series. Um, but it certainly, as far as like John, this is just me pouring more praise on John, I guess, but like, it just, it, it solidifies how great of a character he is, especially with that line when he's like, you know, if I fall, don't, don't bring me back this time. Like I just, I love that kind of character moment for him. Uh, and yeah, it's just a really, really gritty Game of Thrones excels in the very brutal fights. 
but sometimes they're brutal just for the sake of being brutal. And this is brutal, like in a very appropriate manner, because it feels like a very monumental battle that like, you're not sure if anyone's going to survive it. And of course some don't, but like, it's also one that ends in a very satisfying way because all of us wanted to see Ramsey get, get what was coming to him. And the way that, I mean, the way that he does is just fucking fantastic. Um, Although I just realized, I don't think that's at the end of this battle. That's later on. Is it Stannis who gets killed at the end of this, this battle? No, no, this no, is Ramsey. Does. This is right. Ramsey. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Okay, I wanted to make sure. Right. Okay. So, yeah. So that culminating in that too, Ramsey was one of the the biggest villains of the show, and so the way that pans out is perfect with the dogs. Uh, but yeah, I, I just I have to vote for it's it's one that everyone talked about too. Like when when this aired, people were like, "This is probably the show's defining defining moment because it's just shot so incredibly well." So, I'm going with Battle at Hard Home. Um, why I talk so much about the White Walkers and why I'm disappointed with what happened was because mainly because of Hard Home, because of the promise of what they could be, just like the setup, you know. John's there to talk to the wildlings to tell them the white walkers are coming. Like there's so, a threat big enough for them to all join together. And of course, you know, that's happening and the white walkers decide to come and say hi. And it just leads into pandemonium. Just, just panic. Everyone's starting to die. Oh, the scene with the kids is just heartbreaking. Oh, and then like the, they're, you know, you think they're kind of fault some of them off and everything. And then, they fall off the cliff and just 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 that scene right there, just them just piling off the cliff and falling and and just smacking. And then they're just all starting to get up and running. Just you just get up like if nothing was happening it was just so terrifying of an image. And you just see how like physical and dangerous they are and how like just how much of a force they can be with how many there are. You get the great sword fight between, you know, John and one of the White Walkers, of course. And we get to see, oh, wow, hey, bam, they can die. That was, of course, you you know, we've had mentions of that, that happening before. But just to see it like that was so cool. And then you, you see uh, one of the people that we were starting to learn to like. Uh, what was her? I can't think of her name, but one of the Wildlings uh, chiefs. Uh, oh God! Yeah, yeah. I, I know who you're talking about, but I forget her name too. She was the one that got taken taken down by the children, and that was just heartbreaking. Yeah. And then you know, they they get away in the boats and everything. People are just like, cr- just scrambling to get on the boats, and John's just like, looking, just looking at the Night King. And of course, we we've talked about it before, but just it's just like Night King's like, okay, just raises his hands and just every like all the dead just spring up as whites and it's just that whole scene from from beginning to end is just and so intense and then that happens was was such a great mic drop for that episode and that battle you were just like oh wow this this is what the show's about but i I guess it wasn't what the show was about (laughs) uh uh, anyways uh yeah any other battles we wanted to nom real quick before we we vote. It's, I think those uh, are the three. I have oh, one that's like a smaller one, but in ter- so it's not as impressive a battle as the other two, but it 
or the other, other three, but as far as like emotion and character, I have to mention the mountain, the mountain versus the Viper because like, it's just so were it not for how his untimely end and how short he is in the show, I, I would say uh, Oberyn is probably my favorite character in Game of Thrones. And so especially because it's Pedro. I mean, come on, Pedro Pascal. But like that is just so heartbreaking because you can tell he's a match for the mountain. Like he, he could really win this thing and he lets his anger kind of get involved. But it is a great moment because he's he's been this really brazen kind of callous character before this. But you really get his intention when he's fighting him and he starts like yelling like, you know, who you killed and who you raped. Like he's just screaming about his his family, which is a really powerful moment. And then he's about to kill him, but he gets distracted and starts showing off. And he learned. I mean, he he's not wearing a helmet. He learned as we see in Mandalorian. He never takes that helmet off. Uh, so I wanted to mention that because it's not like the best, like in terms of like fight choreography or anything, but it's in terms of like emotion and character that that fight is just so powerful. It's such a great moment. It is. Ron, did you have one? I did. Um, geez, there's there's two I, I really want to mention. Um, but to narrow it down, I will go with um, The Hound versus Brienne, um, season four, episode 10, uh, The Children. Um, it's, in my opinion, it's the best hound fight. Um, for me, The Hound in the Mountain is good, but it goes on about five minutes too long, in my opinion. Yeah, agreed. Um, and I, I just think also, like, emotionally, the mountain at that point is just not really, like, he's not himself. So um, it, it loses a little uh, emotional um, weight for me. But the Hound versus Brienne, you know, two two driven characters that at, at that point aren't knights and um, have been sort of outcasts and um, mistreated. Uh, and um, But they're both incredibly strong-willed, and uh, they, they both want to protect Arya in their own way and so they end up crossing paths and it is just like a, a knockdown drag out like bloody you know um powerful battle like this is this isn't Silvio Pharrell and his water dancing like these are just two very strong characters just like beating the shit out of each other and then um finally uh Brienne ends up uh um, coming out on top and um we think the hound probably dies, but obviously he comes back later. Um, and um, his sort of him asking Arya to kill him and, and her refusing is like another, you know, powerful moment. And um, thankfully that, that pays off later. So, uh, yeah, I, I had to throw that one in there. I think those are the, the top five, I feel like. I, I really yeah. do. Mm-hmm. And the the ladies or the the name you're looking for is Carsey, Damon. I just looked it up. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. That's right. Okay. It's been a minute. Um, I really enjoyed her. She had yep. great presence. And then, of course, it was too good to be true. <laughs> um, what is going to take the W for this one? Ryan, what's your vote? Um... Yeah, I'll go with the one I picked, the the Night's Watch versus the Wildlings um, for all the the reasons that that Kyle and I mentioned. I just think that's a a great one and and definitely one of the more um, enjoyable but also tragic um, fights that they have in the show. Sticking with their guns. I like it. Kyle, what's yours? Yeah, I'm absolutely voting that one as well. I think that that the others have – 
most of the ingredients you want for an incredible fight sequence, or really all of the ingredients. But I think that the Battle of Castle Black has literally everything you want. It has, first of all, it's like really diverse in the action. It's not just like sword fights. You get some really great, like, different things happening. Of course, you get the way Igrit is taken out with a bow by Ollie, but like, you have that. So it's always fun to see like different kinds of fighting happening. But first of all, it's really well shot. And I, I don't like to make comparisons when it's unnecessary, but I do think a comparison, a comparison is warranted between this and the long night. Cause they're very similar battles in that they're like at this stronghold and it's at night, but we see everything happening in this battle. Like it's so well lit and so well shot and it's, it just pops. Um, so it's in, yeah, it's, it's the culmination of my favorite season of the show. And it's just like, you get yeah you get the emotion of Egret dying you get like i said like really different kind of fights happening you get all your favorite characters really get moments to shine too like ryan mentioned Tormund gets a really cool moment um yeah it's just really everything you want from an action sequence and it doesn't overstay its welcome it's it's perfectly perfectly paced and just has this really great payoff so that's my vote i'm going to stick with my guns i'm voting for hard home uh, but I think the battle at the wall probably deserves the win. I think it was like the most striking and significant part of the series up to that point. Like the first four ser- uh, episodes seasons where I thought were just great. And like that, I just felt like elevated the show to another level to where it's like, it, it's just the, the whole fight between them and the wildlings. It was just like another extra level on like, Hey, you know, this is another group of people who want to, you know, to rule. It's just like one extra. It's like you didn't know what they were going to bring to the table. And then you just see how dangerous they are. And then we, we get this amazing fight at the wall. Like, you know, we hear the throughout the seasons, like the whole idea of the wall. It's like you can't get past it. It's, you know, impenetrable. And we, we you know, we see the wildlings. We kind of are with them for a while with John. And we see that they're kind of people, too. But also they are, you know, a little rough. And we know about the the Night's Watch and all them and we're learning about all the sides and just to see the two go at it in that way was really fun. So well choreographed. I loved, you know, them trying to climb the wall and them letting go of like the blades and everything like that. That was so cool when that happened. Um, the giants, you're like, wow. Like seeing the giants in action was, (laughs) was great. I love that. Um, and then the fact that we got to root for the giants later on was, you know, they became our friends that scene had everything it really did i i just like hard home a little bit more personally but i i can't complain on that w so and the effie goes to the battle of castle black and here are the nominees for what is dead may never die what is dead may never die best death and man there are so so many deaths, y'all. Um, there are over over fifty seven deaths of main character, like characters like you know the name of and you meet in at least like at more than one scene. There's more, mm. way more than that of just f- fodder. Okay, <laughs> take take best however you want to take it. Kyle, what's your nom? I'm glad you mentioned like take that however you because there's some that are just so like emotional and it's like I love that character but Game of Thrones is better than any other show at that satisfying fuck you villain that gets killed so I think I'm going to go with uh, 
the lion and the rose episode two of season four joffrey baratheon i i don't think there's a single moment in this show more satisfying and that says something because i saw i saw a meme the other day that like still makes its rounds however long after the show ended that was like it's a pretty phenomenal performance when you are actively rooting for this child to be killed in front of his mother like cersei's right there and you're like yeah man kill him Uh, but yeah, Joffrey is just such a fucking pain in the ass in this show. And he's a terrible human being. And it's just like some of the terrible people in this show. I mean, Stannis is horrible. And like, obviously what he does to his daughter is unforgivable, but he's a very interesting character. Cause he's so, he has so much conviction in what he does, but like Joffrey's just suck. He just sucks. He just, he's just got no conviction. He's just a weak character. And and it's not like he's like an annoying character that you can kind of write off, but like his act, he's he's a, he's a ruler, so his his actions affect the other characters' lives actively. And so when you finally get him being killed, and in a really like dramatic way, right? It's not like he just gets killed off screen or stabbed or whatever. He gets poisoned, and it's really drawn out, and like the makeup is really cool, and it's just such a p- satisfying payoff. It's about halfway through the series, and then that kind of informs that whole rest of the season you know like you get Tyrion being imprisoned after that in his trial which is a phenomenal scene but like that definitely changes the course of of at least king's landing because that that messes with the power dynamic there so yeah it's just it's the most satisfying moment in the entire show (laughs) ryan what's your nom yeah um that's a really good one and i was definitely on my list um so i guess i will go with jorah um in season eight uh episode three the long night um one of the few major deaths in that episode as we discussed earlier um but it's a really cool moment um him sacrificing himself to save daenerys um and just the whole journey that they went on um you know how how he had um been at her side but he was also informing the crown and then he managed to fight his way back and get in her good sir get her good graces and then eventually um cure Greystale and then finds his way back to her again. And um I do think that Danny loved Jorah just not romantically. Um right. which is why it's so um gut wrenching for her that he ends up dying uh, to save her um in the middle of that episode, I think. Um and yeah, it was just really powerful and you know the you know, sort of sacrificing yourself to save someone is like a trope that can be overplayed at times, but I, I think it works really well in this instance. So, there's so many, so many good ones. <laughs> I'm going for Walter Frey being fed his own sons and then being told it was being done to him. He was going to be killed by a Stark. Yeah. And then has his, his throat slit. It was just poetic justice on so many levels. And I mean, like, there, like there's, it's what I like to call, like, the, 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 the Fantastic Four of just, of just complete shitheads <laughs> in the show. You got Joffrey. You got Walter Frey. You got Ramsey Bolton. And then I always like kind of falter whether they're there. Like anyone else deserves to be in there or is it, should it just be the three? Do y'all think anyone else deserves to be in that last spot? 
I think Littlefinger does. Even though he's a different kind of vibe, I, I just think he's, he, like, he's, everything he does is so slimy, and just everything he does is for himself. Everything is self-serving. It's a different form of than the other three, so I, I, I'm okay if we just leave it for those three. Yeah, I think with anyone else, Littlefinger is the closest because he we I was actually going to mention Cersei, but we do really feel for her in many points in the series and she's just a great yeah. character. So yeah, the closest would be Littlefinger, especially towards the end when he does die, he a- absolutely deserves that. Like so but you're absolutely correct with those three. Those are the three most despicable human beings. But in but like you said with how satisfying the Joffrey death is, I felt just as much satisfaction that that happened and the fact that instead of it being like a mysterious plot that we didn't really find out what happened until very very late later on which was a great reveal um this was like this was by Arya Arya's own hands mm-hmm. and yeah. the fact that she was just like like she got to knock someone else off her list it was Walter Frey who killed her mother her her freaking brother Oh man, it was so good. I loved it. Do we want to add a couple others, Ryan? Yeah, I do want to shout out um, Catelyn Stark. I mean, you you really could pick the whole Northern crew at the Red Wedding, but the fact that she is the last one left alive, so she has to watch her son die and her future grandchild, and she makes the the plea to Walder Frey. Um, which he denies, and then you know it's yeah you know, I'll kill your your grandchild. It's like you know or your wife I think it is. And he's like okay cool I'll find another one basically, and um, also the fact that she seemed to pick up what was going on before anyone else did, um, and then you know the way that she has her throat slit at the end. It's just the the whole thing like like I said you could pick any of them from the red wedding scene, but I, I think Cat Seth in particular is just really hard. Yeah. Kyle, you want to add any others? Uh, I'll mention one that actually I didn't. It didn't really hit me the first time I watched it because I didn't know how I felt about the character. And I still really don't. But I'm going to say Theon in The Long Night. I I think that so Jorah is the much easier uh, sacrifice in that episode because we we love Jorah. And there's never a moment in the series when we don't love Jorah. But obviously Theon is a very complicated character and it's very difficult to really get behind him but he's been through so much in the show he's already he's been through like a lot more than a lot of the other characters in the show to excruciating detail like we see a lot of horrible things he goes through and so the fact that he at the end of the day he just wanted a family like he wanted to to serve and he wanted to help at the end of the that season uh or at the end of the show and so him coming back being embraced by Sansa is a great moment. It's a really great character moment for Sansa. Um, and then him basically being the final defense for Bran. And Bran, this is one Bran moment that I do like, is Bran telling him, you're a good man, Theon. And when I was watching the, sh- the episode live, I was like, no, he's not. <laughs> I was like, this is Theon, man. Like, But it's, it's a powerful moment. It is kind of this moment of like, he's kind of like an honorary Stark, you know, he he's, he's earning his keep and defending who would become the King, but he he's defending Bran at, at this last moment. And so the, him going out is a really power, especially 
if it's not a powerful moment in in that death, it's very powerful in I think the next episode when Sansa finds his body and puts the um the the Stark uh crest on him. That's a that's a really touching moment. Like that that moment made me tear up. Um but yeah, I just think it's it's a really cool like Ryan said, the sacrifice thing is kind of played out in some things, but one thing that that episode does really well with both Jorah and Theon is like it's it, it's very impactful in those two moments. If we were doing a character arc award, I would definitely nominate Theon because he, he just has one of the most unique <laughs> arcs. Like it's not even a redemption story; it's like a like it's a fall, stumble, redemption story. Yeah, fall, stumble, redemption story. Like it's just like a. <laughs> It's a lot. He just—it's just the fact is he's a fuck up. He just—he continuously wants to do something. He just always makes the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. It's never like he ever is really trying to be a terrible person, except when like he decides to be a terrible person because he feels like that's what he's supposed to be, and it just backfires on him. He's like, okay, well I'm supposed to do this, and it just backfires on him again. He's—he he can never do right, and so like at the end, like to, for him to be able to do something and and actually help out in a positive way was great. So I really think that was a was a great death. I'll mention, um, I'll mention the little finger death as well, just because that was very satisfying as well with the way that was played. The fact that Mister Littlefinger always thinking he he's one step ahead of everyone, mm-hmm. you know. The fact that he was played by Sansa and, and uh, Arya like that was very, very great. So I'll add that one. Uh, any more before you want to vote? This is like less satisfying than Joffrey, but Tywin is pretty great. Sitting on the crapper, just on shot, the crapper. shot by Tyrion. That that's a great moment. <laughs> like they they didn't have to do that. Like like if they wouldn't have framed him, Tywin would still have been alive. Yep. Like it's it's his their own fault. Like his underestimating of Tyr- Tyrion is always going to bite him in the ass. Like they yeah. knew he was innocent. They knew yeah. it. That that's one of the most my most fu- frustrating in story things. You know, like you get frustrated at something in a story, and you like you know it's it has to happen. It's supposed to happen. It's like, but like it's you're just so mad that it's happening. It's like it shouldn't happen. It's like yeah, look, open your eyes, like pay attention, like you're screwing someone over, and it's just like. This shouldn't happen. I loved how he escaped, though. That was great. Um, so, let's vote. Who gets the W? A lot of good ones. Kyle, who gets your vote? Man. Uh, it is. It's like a, a torn thing between, like, satisfying or, like, what's the most impactful death. I think I'm going to say... I think I'm going to say Walder, because... It's a really creative way of how he's killed. It's front. It's done by a character who I absolutely adore and love. Like Arya is just the best of the best, and it's so earned because, like you said, it's it's her checking another name off her list. It's like her getting justice for what happened to her family, um, and also like maybe this is like my we didn't do Waffle Hour, but like underrated performance is is what's his name is Walder uh, Filch, you know. Uh, uh john bradley he he's really good like he, he plays a pretty despicable character and it's difficult to do that um so that was just that was a, a moment that was really it was years in the making and it yeah it's just done in such a ooh. i would 
you almost pity him because like who would want to die that way but also you don't because it's walder Frey. like he deserves it so yeah just a very satisfying death that's my vote all right ryan what's yours yeah um a lot of good choices um but yeah i'm gonna go with joffrey um it's just you know like kyle said it, it says something about all of us that we are actively rooting for a kid to die but that's just um it's just a, a shows that you know the performance that he has and uh, just what like a bully and a sadist that the character is and um it you know like kyle also said you know it sparks you know the the trial of Tyrion and that great arc and then eventually Tywin's death and then we also later see um you know the actual culprits and you know Lady Olena I, I believe um when she's talking to Marjorie she's you know telling her basically you know I was never gonna let you marry that monster essentially um and then we we get the great you know tell Cersei I want her to know it was me moment later um so it's it's a great death in the moment and it it, it branches out to so many um interesting uh parts of the story so yeah it's between those two i think i have to go with the joffrey death um brian brings up a good point it it bridges out it branches into so many other points it looms over the show going forward it it opens up a lot of other plot points because with joffrey gone it opens up a vacuum for who's going to be king oh it's Mm -hmm. tommen and that leads into the whole mess with the sparrows and all of that and then i mean it, it it just leads us down to the next season or two of plots in king's landing and and gives us the cersei that we have at the end mm-hmm. um but i mean they're all great but yeah joff like also like literally the entire internet was just like pr- like ding dong joffrey's dead rejoice everyone was so happy and that's just in my opinion, I disagree with you, Kyle. I think he is a very strong character. Or were you saying weak as in he was physically weak? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, strong okay. as in like, yeah, he's a very well written because like okay. it's difficult to be that despicable. Okay. Yeah, he's a very physically weak character. I agree. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, he's so despicable. He he does such a good job. I want to see him get more roles. To be honest, he did a really good, believable job of this despicable silver spoon fed brat. Yeah, in like you really see like you're almost like maybe he'll grow up and learn and then the scene where he shoots our girl um bev was it um what was her name Roz, oh, yeah. what what Ron? Roz? yes mm-hmm. i believe it was Braz. yeah um Roz. yes it was Roz. that's it like i thought she was she was such a great character you know yeah helping little finger do all that and then like we see her dead like joffrey shot her it's just like wow no this kid is is it's more he's more than just a brat like he's he's sick he is dangerous so this that death was satisfying so satisfying that whole episode fantastic oh it's so good (laughs) all right let's move on and the effie goes to joffrey is poisoned at his own wedding reception and here are the nominees for The King and His Hand. The King and His Hand. This is our uh, best pairing award. This could be a romantic couple, just any two characters, really, that we think work together really well, that we like seeing on screen together. So, Damon, what is your nominee for The King and His Hand? 
Arya and the Hound. Yep. Is is the name of the spinoff series I need in my life. <laughs> Just like those episodes where they're together are so good. You know, from the moment he picks her up, saves her from like doing some stupid stuff at the end of the Red Wedding. From them, you know, he's going to take her and give her give her away and just like they're bonding like it's very like reluctant bonding. But like they're they're bonding like he she doesn't want to be with him. She she has him on her list as he finds out. (laughs) He just wants to get rid of her. You know, do his duty, make some money. And it's just like such a good pairing. You know, it's an odd couple that just works so well because Arya is getting darker and darker. Like, this is before she goes to Bravos, right? So this is, like, essentially what... This is the beginning, I feel like, of the Arya we know and love, okay? This is where she really turns dark and becomes, like, the whole scene where they she sees the guy that uh, took down Cyril Pharrell. And they're like, okay, let's go take him down. And they go into, the, into that little pub, and they just go ham on everybody. It's <laughs> such a fun scene. And I feel like that, like that scene was so good, and just them together, you know, riding and all that. The little quips they say together, the chemistry was there. I loved it, you know. Ari and the Hound was fantastic. Yeah, that's my mom. Ryan, what's yours? Yeah, again, another award with a bunch of good choices. Um, but I, I guess I got to go with John and Sam. Um, both uh, both outcasts for different reasons who end up at the night watch and a uh, nice watch and they just they go through so much um, from you know initially you know, John sort of feeling sorry for Sam and helping to protect him um, and then helping them grow um, in in so many ways like they go on you know so many they go north of the wall and then um, you know, they go their separate ways, but like John helps Sam find his courage, and and Sam is like the the good like level headed advisor that that John needs. Um, um, but also like he's um, he he's there when John doubts himself, and um, he's uh, yeah he's just an incredibly good friend uh, and advisor for John, and and you know John as well. You know John John helps them Sam grow. They're a, a pair that really helps build each other up and support each other in all the moments that they needed. And um, yeah, that's, uh, that's my pick. Every protagonist needs himself a Sam. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> that's also throwing it way back to uh, our, our friendship episode we did with Brian. That was, uh, that was his, one of his picks. Yeah. Uh, um, it's very consistent there. <laughs> uh, uh, what's yours? Man, there's so many to choose from. Man, uh, I think I'm going to go with, yeah, I'm going to go with, this is also Sam, but Sam and Gilly, I think is one. A lot of the relationships in this show are, you know, very mired in complications and occasional incest. and Like, very complex. Uh, even, you know, I love Arya and the Hound, but they're a very love-hate relationship. But Sam and Gilly are just so damn wholesome. They're just, like, really, it's just such a sweet, especially in a show that is just brutal as hell and, like, never really gives you moments of, like, heart. I mean, or, like, the real genuine moments of, like, wholesomeness. And, yeah, Gilly herself is just such a fucking ray of sunshine in this show. I love Gilly. And their relationship is really, really sweet. And it's very touching. And 
I, I want to note too, they're one that makes it the entire way. Like neither of them die and they are still together. Raising little baby Sam by the end of the end of the show. Uh, but I just, yeah, I think the two of them, the way they came together was great. You even get like when they try to, I think it's like hide out with Sam's family and Sam is very quick to defend Gilly to them. And like, I think that's a really, that's worth noting. Um, but they just work really well together. And it's just like, I, I remember watching the show and thinking, oh man, one of them is going to die. Like I was sure it was going to be in a long night. I think Sam, I thought Sam was going to die. And I was like, they're just, they work too well. It's the show does not reward healthy relationships, uh, but they make it like against all odds. They make it to the end of the show. And yeah, they're just like such a, an adorable couple. So I had to go with that one. I love it. I will have to nominate one more uh, pairing. Jamie and Brienne. <sighs> While it ended terribly, everything else was amazing. Yep. The chemistry, the the teasing, the flirting, the insulting was so great. Like the bath scene was just so oh, it could have been so awkward, good. but it was so subtle and gentle. Yeah. We 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 fall in love with Jamie because of the way he falls in love with Brienne. And it's just so frustrating the way it ended. But everything they did together was great. The whole the fight, the swords fight they have on the on the bridge was great. He's like, yeah, you know, if I had my other hand, like this would be nothing. You know, it's like I don't know about that, Jamie. Um, I wish we could have saw that. Like, mm-hmm. if we had hypothetical fights, that might would be my number one to see because I mean. Brienne, I think, is maybe one of the best swordsmen in the in the series. Uh, I would put my money on being in the top three. Jamie boosts being like the best, you know. So who's to say? I don't know. I wanted to see that, but Jamie and Brienne were fantastic. They were amazing. I wanted them together, and and it didn't happen. Another just terrible sadness that. It just will never be. Oh, maybe the uh, the book series will will have that be a thing. Are they a thing in the book series, Brian? You said you you, you started reading, right? Yeah, um, it, it's a similar arc um, for most of the show. Um, obviously, the um, they they were not a like a, a romantic thing yet, um, but it's definitely something that was plausible based on. Um, how they how their characters developed in the books as well as in the show so i wouldn't be surprised if that happens at some point and yeah like you guys have said i I hope it's handled better than it is in the last season so gotcha all right any other pairings you wanted to throw out y'all yeah i'll go with um daenerys and masande um I, i think they're another really great um couple who is um paired together um through trying circumstances, but end up being really good friends and really good for each other. Um, in a, a male-dominated world, um, Daenerys doesn't have many um, female companions. Um, she had a few uh, Dothraki that either get killed or one of them betrays her uh, when she's in Karth. Um, so, and then she's able to uh, rescue Masande and Masande, um, similar to Sam with the Sam and John thing, is, is really level-headed, and she. Um, she really helps um, advise Danny in just so many areas, but also 
it's just like a good friend to, to have around um, when so many people are asking from so much of you. Um, Masande really isn't. She's just really, um, you know, happy to, to be there and to, um, to be with Daenerys and then, you know, gain so much in her, her own right uh, by asserting herself and becoming, you know, advisor to the queen. And, you know, again, we could argue um, <laughs> in the last season about how she ends up getting captured, but um, the fact that she is and then is killed is, I think, the, the thing that really just sends Danny over the edge. So. Mm-hmm. Love it. Kyle, did you have one more? Yeah, I, I will mention uh, Egret and John, another one that is ultimately ends in tragedy, but I mean, it definitely helps that they, you know, were and are <laughs> together in real life. But I mean, the chemistry there is just fucking on fire, like from the moment they meet. It, it's just it is the sexiest Game of Thrones has ever been uh, is the scenes that they have together. And then it, it does. It, it ends in, in just absolute tragedy. It, it made me hate. I didn't want to hate Ollie. And it really made me hate Ollie for the longest time. Um, but you get it. I mean, you get why he does it. But it's just yeah. They they were so compatible and like I always I always love a for lack of a better word like a Romeo and Juliet type thing of like two different air, like families or whatever like two different clans and they should not be together because of the the people they represent but they just their chemistry is absolute fire in the show so had to mention them forbidden love is is a trope that will always always uh, go on yeah that's a good one. <laughs> Game All of right. Thrones, the show that made us hate multiple children. <laughs> Younger than Brand. <laughs> um, all right. Where are we voting? I am going. Those are all really good. I'm going to vote for I don't know. I'm gonna let y'all vote first because I'm still deciding. Kyle, do you have a vote yet? I think because they're two, they might be my number one and number two favorite characters in the show. I'm going to go Arya and the Hound. Um, I, yeah, I, I think it's them. I think that they, I think it's also because like a lot of shows try and do the, like the lethal weapon, hate each other, but really love each other kind of relationship but they don't really fully commit to it. And there's two shows that I can think of that really commit to like, they absolutely fucking hate each other, but then they grow to love each other. And it's true detective season one, which they don't really grow to love each other, but like they really commit to the Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey fucking hate each other in that show. Uh, And then this, I think like Arya and the Hound has such a complicated back and forth, but one of the things I did genuinely really love about season eight was the way that wrapped up was them going to King's Landing together, despite the geography of that, of how they got there so quickly, but uh, them getting there and then the hound telling her like, don't, don't follow me. Like, don't become me. Don't be like me, be better. I, I think that's a very earned moment from a character who rarely shows emotion and rarely shows vulnerability. Um, I think that the, yeah, like their their relationship built to that really naturally, and so it's a very genuinely touching moment. So that's I'm going to vote for Arya and the Hound. All right, Ryan, you you uh, have you decided for your vote? Yeah, uh, like you guys said, it's really tough, but I'm going to go with Jamie and Brienne. Um, I think they just have such a good 
arc and saga and relationship and and how it builds from you know where they started as as enemies and um just had disdain at each other for different reasons and and where they end up um you know obviously discounting where they ultimately end up but where um where where the journey takes them um i i just think is is a great pairing and and one of my favorite character arcs so that didn't help at all guys thank y'all so much those were the two <laughs> i was trying to decide between now i gotta decide decide between those two for the win <laughs> i'm going Arya and the hound just because it it ended the way it should have between the two mm-hmm. and so i'm going with that Arya and the hound and the effie goes to Arya Stark and Sandor the Hound Clegane. And here are the nominees for titles, titles, titles. Titles, titles, titles. We are talking about best quote. Back to just just how loaded this series is of just amazing sayings. Just beautiful words. Some lifted almost directly from this uh, book series. I I hear. I don't know which way we're going, guys. Uh, Let's see. Ryan, what's your nom? Yes, so my favorite quote from the whole show, um, again, like every other category, there's so many options, but um, it's season six, episode seven, The Broken Man. Um, it is when Jamie and Bron are about to take over River Run, and Bron, at this point, has just had enough of the Lannister family, and he ends up working for all of them at some point, um, but uh, he goes to Jamie. You promised me a lordship and a castle, and a high-born beauty for a wife. And then Jamie goes, and you'll get all three. A Lannister, Bron, don't say it. Don't fucking say it. <laughs> and then rides away. <laughs> it just makes me laugh every time. Um, just the, the classic Lannister, and then Bron's like, no. I'm not you guys are shit. Like, just give me what you actually owe me. <laughs> I love that. that. That's a very hard quote to write down, but I get the gist. Um, Bron, Bron being done with the Lannisters at the end was just was <laughs> yeah. a great whole bit. You know, he did it to himself, of course. Yeah. You know, yeah. He was the hired hand for for you know, what did he else did he expect? But that man, Bron was fun. Yeah, that, I, mean, that I feel like I had to give the whole exchange for context, but I guess I guess the quote would just be, "Don't say it. Don't fucking say it." <laughs> <laughs> And now Bron's just putting people to sleep in ASMR, uh, ASMR videos. Y- y- y'all saw that, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh. I did not see that. I Weirdest twist of events. Yeah, it's like an ad on Facebook, and he's like doing like he's a voice for one of those apps where it's oh, just like yeah, okay. therapeutic oh, yeah. like voice it. app. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, I know what you're about. Yeah, that is that is very strange. <laughs> like Bron of all people. Oh, that's a good one. Kyle, what do you got? Uh, I've got a, I've got a few, but for the first one, I want to nominate is very early in the the show. I think it's in season one. I want to say um, from our guy Sirio Pharrell, and that is, what do we say to the god of death? Not today. It's from a bigger exchange when he talks about like, you know, there's only one god and his name is death or whatever. But that kind of like earlier when we were talking about the the house mottos, like what represents the series it's a really powerful statement. Like, what do we say to the God of death? Death is a constant 
constant presence in this show. Like all these people are dying. Not today. And that, that's even repeated in season eight when uh, Melisandre says it to Arya and she finishes it. She says not today. Like she's come full circle. She's faced death so many times and has killed so many people. Uh, but I think it's really powerful. I think I, I this is another example of something that I saw before I even saw the show. I saw it in so many different contexts and I was like, that's a really cool quote. What is that from? And then getting to the show and getting to actually hear it in context was really cool. But yeah, I think it's very simple and it's very effective and it just boils down this this sentiment of like your odds aren't great and you might die at the end of this. But when you're faced with death, you you face it and you say not today. So that's my pick. One of mine, my nom is one that's also earlier in the earlier seasons. Um, our boy Tyrion speaks some great, say, great things, you know. He drinks and he knows things, and this is one of the things he knows. And he tells our boy Jon Snow, never forget what you are. The rest of the world will not. Wear it like armor, and it can never be used to hurt you. It's just, I mean, the fact, you know, I believe the episode was, was that the uh, the Bastards and Broken Things episode, if I'm not so. mistaken? Yeah. If so. not, it's they're connected, if not. I, my timeline's a little off. But, you know, the fact that, you know, this, you know, this this dwarf is talking to this bastard, you know, it's like, of course, he would know about this. His whole life has been about this exact thing. He, you know, he, he can never let this just not be a thing. It's it's out in the open. Everyone will never let him forget it. And he's just made that a part of him. It's a strength. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, it's like a saying in, you know, in the real world. It's like if you make fun of yourself, no one else can. You know, if you if you laugh at the things that that are your faults and weaknesses, no one else can really do that because you're already laughing at it. They can't really do that. So it's just it's just the fact that you take who you are and what you are and you use that to your advantage. And I just think that's a great line, especially it being from Tyrion to John is just great. And then it's just the fact that that's their first meeting. And then we go like the, that was was that early season two, right? When he was a part of the watch or was it season one? It was season one. Yeah. It was season one, episode seven, six. I can't Something remember. Like it was yeah. very early. It was very early. But we go from there all the way to them meeting again under, you know, it's just it's just great. I, I don't know. I love that line. So what's some other ones? There, there's some there's a lot of really good quotes out there. So I figured we were going to nom a couple more. Ron, you got one? Yeah, um, I'm going with something else from season one, um, specifically uh, season one, episode seven, Cersei Lannister. If you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. Um, it was just helping to encapsulate the fact that, you know, we're, we're playing for keeps and um, there are certain people that are just operating on different levels. And um, unfortunately for Ned and some of the other Starks, we learned that the hard way in the first few seasons. But um yeah, it's just, it's something that also, you know, similar to um, Chaos is in a Pit, it's a ladder. It, it's, a, it's a real ethos for Cersei um, and a, a real driving force for her throughout the entire show. Not to mention, it's the Leo pointing meme. She said it. She, she said, said it. it she said the title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Kyle, you got another one? Uh, yeah, I... This is one that just makes me laugh, but is also so painfully real and true to life. It's from 
actually one of my favorite underrated characters, Davos, Sir Davos Seaworth. And that is, uh, I forgot what episode, but it is nothing fucks you harder than time. And my God, is he right? Like, <laughs> it's one of those kind of have to laugh at it so I don't cry. But it's <laughs> it's very funny. And I just I, I like Davos a lot. And he he has he has really great line delivery in a lot of episodes. But this is one that is just it's very funny, but very real and true to life. Davos is one of those characters like I just love Game of Thrones because you don't know what's going to happen especially if you didn't read the books and it's like you have all these characters and it's like so many big players die or nothing happens and then like who you end up with at the end is like oh wow yeah I didn't expect to see Davos here but I'm very happy he still is you know yeah. it's like yeah it's like the just the seeds that were planted so early on was done in such a great way you know, it really was like, oh, wow, all these characters are now meeting and all their journeys are joining, ending up in the same places. It's so fun. Like, yeah, that's one of my favorite parts of this whole series was seeing people meet each other after seasons of seasons of like, oh, well, I'd love to see them meet. Oh, they finally get to, you know, I love that. Davos. Best example is Tormund and the Hound. I love their meeting. That is that shit is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um. OK, I got a good one. From another character that I think is severely underrated, Varys. Power resides where men believe it resides. It's a trick, a shadow on the wall, which maybe the most accurate thing ever. Just right along with the nothing fucks you harder than time. I mean, p- power. All power is 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 just what we say it is. You know, it. You know, the only power that someone has is the power that people give you you know yeah and so especially in a world like that so i i just thought that's really great very various very very yeah. various yeah that is great and that actually makes me think of one that i want to add um it's an it's an exchange i can't remember if it's season one or season two but it's another early season exchange and cersei's talking to little finger and um he tells her you know knowledge is power and then she gestures at her guard. She's like, kill him. And then he's about to come. She's like, no, wait, stop. And then she's um, just turns to him. She goes, power is power. Mm. And um, again, it's just another um, <laughs> another Cersei ethos. But just the, the whole display um, is, a, is a really great sequence. Got it. Any more? Or are we ready to vote on those? I, I did mention it earlier, but I do. I fucking love uh, John saying if I and I don't know if it's if I die or if I fall, but if I fall, don't bring me back. It's it's kind of like tongue in cheek, but also just a really cool character moment for him. Like this man deserves rest. Like if he dies again, let him stay dead. <laughs> yeah, for real, though. Um, those are so many good ones. Ryan, what are you voting for? Yeah, I'm I'm going with the one that I nominated. Um, don't say it. Don't fucking say it. <laughs> Bronn is my um, Bronn's my favorite non main character, and yeah, um, he's got so many great moments in the show, and that that's probably my favorite one. So love it, Kyle. What are you thinking? Um, I I do I love Bronn. He's the best. I another we didn't even mention pairing like him and Tyrion is a really underrated pairing. Um, but I I'm gonna say. Speaking of Tyrion, uh, I'll, I'll I'll say I'll vote for the one that you mentioned, Damon. The never forget what you are. I think that's really powerful. I think especially coming from Tyrion, um, I I think it 
for it being so early in the season and then it kind of really defining him as a character throughout the entire series is is just yeah it's very impactful very powerful he is one of my favorite characters despite the <laughs> terrible decisions he makes in the final season uh I think that when he's at his peak, it's it's at moments like this where he he seems like a character who doesn't care about things. And then he'll hit you with like a real pearl of like knowledge like this. And like you you kind of get that he he cares and like he he takes things to heart and he has this incredible amount of wisdom to impart when he wants to. Um, and it's cool because that it seems like Peter Dinklage is like that in real life as well. Like I've seen interviews of him when he's talking about the show and he seems like that kind of guy who uses humor as a defense mechanism. And then you, and you, you see some of the final interviews from season eight and you can tell that some of it like really got to him and he was like getting emotional. He was like, wow, this is finally the end of the series. And I don't, I don't really get get emotional, especially the award speech when he won. I think it was the Emmy the first time he won the Emmy for Game of Thrones. It was a really cool moment, but, um, I think this this quote is a great defining uh, like moment for Tyrion and him saying it to John. You can tell it sinks in and John takes it to heart as well. So that's that's my vote. For the sake of a win, I'm going to go with that one. But I, I, I really tend to lean towards like when you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die hmm. as on the nose as it is. It's it's Cersei. It's it's, you know, it's kind of the whole point of the show. I also really kind of wanted to go with chaos as, as a ladder for the quote, just because like it really, really talks about what the show is, you know, as you said before uh, for that, for the house motto, but you know, I, I got, I'm going to go with the Tyrion one. The Bronn one's hilarious though. Um, Bronn, I think consistently one of the funniest characters in the show always was just, he was never really serious about anything. It was great. I loved it. Him training Jamie, some great things. <laughs> so good. Um, all right, that's the W. Let's uh, move on, y'all. And the F.E. goes to... Never forget what you are. The rest of the world will not. Wear it like armor, and it can never be used to hurt you. And here are the nominees for Their Watch Has Ended. Their Watch Has Ended. This is our, our version of the Valedictorian Award. Best performance slash character, just the one we rooted for the entire season. Uh, lots of characters to love in this show, but to kick things off, Damon, who's your who's your nominee for the valedictorian? This show is loaded with amazing performances. It, it, it truly is. But the one I go, f- I like, I stand so hard for. I think is one of the best. TV antagonist of all time. I'm going Lena Headey as Cersei Lannister. Mm. Masterful. She is like reserved at the very beginning, you know, like she's the queen, you know, Robert's, you know, the one out front and you see her slowly laying seeds. And then when that happens, you really see her start turning it up and, and playing the, like the evil mom, you know, and just, the banter you see in season two and season three are, is so good. You see her start unraveling more and more with the power and her children keep dying. And you just see the whole prophecy laid out in front of her. That was such a cool little scene to see what like she's dealing with. I just think Lena Headey just just owns this performance. OK, she's so conniving. She's so sickly sweet when she's like being like 
falsely uh nice you know like those scenes when she has with marjorie Ooh, yeah um, right like oh, man, they, they yeah. hate each other right now but they're being so nice it's just <laughs> like oh man her, her and then like you then you see the scenes she has with joffrey and jamie and it's like she loves them so like you see it you see how much she cares for them yeah and it's just like everything she did i thought was just exactly what it should have been what it was needed i loved it i loved cersei i loved hating her and i i can't wait to see lena do more stuff that's my vote that's my nod probably my vote but we'll see <laughs> kyle what's yours uh yeah to keep it in the the lannister family i just mentioned him but i i've got to go peter dinklage as Tyrion lannister i this is another example. Like Jamie was my favorite character going into season eight. Tyrion is probably number two going into season eight. And it's a testament to he's not bungled as badly as Jamie is, because I would say he probably still is maybe maybe my favorite character in the show. Um, but I he's just he's just such an interesting character. He's so funny when he needs to be, but he just has we we could have rattled off like six more quotes for the last award just from Tyrion alone. I mean, he's got so many great quotes, but he he's just incredibly intelligent, but also like very vulnerable when he needs to be. Uh, I will say like we'll, we'll get to the season award, but season four, I think, is just an absolute masterpiece in this show. And the the hugest part of that is Tyrion. It's his arc of being on trial for something he didn't do, but very easily could have done. And then you get that. This, the scene that really made him my favorite character was the actual trial when he kind of snaps when they he kind of realizes Shay has been manipulating him and turning or being used against him. And he basically says, like, this is another great quote is I wish I was the monster you all think I am. Like he's basically saying, I wish I killed Joffrey because he deserved it. You know, like he's this is a man who like has been turned on by his, his family. Uh, his sister doesn't love him. His father doesn't love him. The only person in his corner is Jamie, and even they go through a lot. And so I think that Tyrion is just such a well-written character. And then Peter Dinklage, just every every choice he makes, not even in this just in this show. I love this actor. I think he's he's phenomenal in like in Days of Future Past. And like anytime he shows up, whether it's a big or small role, he just really elevates the material. But his his performance as Tyrion. It's it's telling that he I think he was one of the first choices that was okayed by George because uh, George wrote Tyrion and then Benioff and Weiss came to him and said they were going to cast Peter Dinklage. And he was like, I wrote this character with him in mind, basically. I, I think he said something to that effect or like maybe he like saw a, a screen test of Peter and he was like, wow, this is what I imagine Tyrion to be. That's telling. I mean, I, I think that he just he brings the character character to life in just such a compelling way. So that's that's my first nominee. Great, Ryan. What's yours? Yeah, um, my first one will be um, Sophie Turner as Sansa Stark. Um, we, we talk about um, character arcs, and hers is just. I mean, it's it's just so tragic for a while. Um, but the way that she is able to overcome. Um, all the things she had, you know, being married to Joffrey and then just sort of in the um, in the clutches of Cersei for a while. And then, um, you know, choosing to believe Littlefinger, which led her uh, to marry Ramsay. And then after all that, being able to 
um, along with John, help rescue the Stark family from the brink of oblivion, basically, and to rebuild them as the power in the North, um, and then to um, become the Queen and have the North be their own separate, um, you know, kingdom, essentially. Um, she just, she had a really great run, both as a character and as an actress, I think, just um, Sophie Turner, especially later in the show when um, she, you know, got older and, and um, just, like, you know, developed more. Um, she she was just really phenomenal. Um, and, yeah, I think she's uh, definitely um, worthy to be on here, so. Um, my, my second nom is Macy Williams as Arya, who, along with Jon's nose, it's my two favorite characters. I mean, I just, I love their arcs. I love who they are, what they stand for, everything they go through and who they still end up being at the end of it. You know, like they persevere, they go through so many tribulations and I just love them. I am a Stark. Like if I were in a family in a house it would definitely be the starks um and i love Arya. I, I i i just do that's such a fun character even when it's like dragging her storyline it's like you want it to be over with it's like i still enjoy seeing Arya on screen and i think that's a testament to how great macy was in that role and i mean she, she was how young when she started eight maybe yeah Nine? she was yeah. if that yeah yeah and like, that's a whole thing. Kid actors being terrible is a thing, you know. Like, people always talk like, "Yeah, this show was ruined because the kid actor was terrible. This movie did not do good because they couldn't act worth it, worth anything." You know, we always have the exceptions, but like, I thought Macy excelled. Like, she she held her own in the very beginning, and then by season three, I thought she just started stealing scenes. Like, I, I just thought she hit everything. And then by the time she's trained up and she's with everybody and she has this, the sparring scene with Brienne, just gives me goosebumps thinking about just like the way like the way her like she's just so confident. And like Macy just has that air about her like she's just this at that point, she's like what's supposed to be. 16 maybe how much time has passed in the show i don't remember if they ever say who knows it's been years though but she's just like she has no hesitance fighting mm. literally like one of the best knight uh swordsmen in the in the you know westeros and just does her thing i just i love the journey i love macy i want to see her in so much more stuff going forward i really really do um yeah I, I think she was great. That that's my other nom. Kyle, what's yours? Uh, yeah, I also want to want to mention uh, Gwendolyn Christie as Brienne of Tarth, who is just she's so good. I mean, she going into the show, you don't you don't really know what kind of role she's gonna play. You know, you you don't know if she's gonna be a major character or not. And then I think more than any other character, because a lot of these characters, they really have to win you over. Like the hound is just so abrasive, but like you kind of begrudgingly really start to like him as a character with Brienne. She's just so likable from the very beginning. And then she just has this incredible complete arc, even removing uh, her arc with Jamie, like even taking that out of the equation, just her as a character is just such a powerful, strong character. Um, 
not to mention like her ability. Like Damon, you mentioned her being just an incredible, incredible swordsman. She's really holds her own and like I mean, she fights the hound, she holds her own in the uh the battle at Winterfell. I mean, she really does. And then I I, I despite we've we've mentioned it many times, but despite the ending of her arc with Jamie, I do like her own arc ending with her writing his name in in the book and kind of carrying kind of like carrying his legacy on with her, making sure he's remembered as the hero that he was. I think that's really powerful. And so she's just, she's a great actress. I love her. I I think she was really underserved by uh, the Star Wars trilogy. She could have been such a fun character, um, but she's fun. I just want to see her show up in more things. I can't wait to see her as a lead on Fingers Crossed. Uh, but yeah, she's just, she's super fun. So that, that had to be my second nom. Kyle, I mean, that's great. But Ryan, you, you got another one? I do. Uh, I really wanted to pick Jamie um, because I, I think uh, Nikolai Kostrovado is phenomenal. Um, and um, I, I think his character and he deserves to be on here. Um, but I, I think we sort of can't go with this without mentioning um, Amelia Clark as Daenerys Targaryen. Mm. Um, both as her character, I mean, she has a phenomenal arc of going from slave to queen to conqueror to um, villain, I guess, at the end. Um, but um, I just I think similar to um, Maisie and um, Sophie Turner, um, she really glows into her her role as um, the character and just as an actor in general. Like she's she's a little bit older than um, those two actresses, so she didn't start off, but she was also very young when the show started. Um, and to um, see her journey throughout the show um, was just really great. And um, I, I think she was just too important uh, to leave off of this list. So very true. Um, I. I hope her movie career isn't ended because of the the few ones that she decided to go with it, it right away. Um, I think she could really be be great. So, yeah. Are we are we going to go with those? I mean, we really could have half the cast. Yeah, there's so many more. Like, really good. I, mean, I think those uh, are pretty solid. Well, Ryan, yeah. Well, and I was gonna say, I think the whole Lannister family, minus like Tommen and Marcella, just because they didn't have enough to do, like should yeah. be on there. You know. Jamie and Tywin and Joffrey, um, mm-hmm. you can all put them on there. So, for sure. Okay, then it just comes down to the voting. I don't know how to vote for this. I mean, this is impossible. Like you said, I I said my my piece on Cersei. Tyrion is fantastic. Tyrion was one of the most entertaining parts of the show, especially early on. In the ending, like you always, you wonder, like, did they? write his character to start messing up on purpose so that Daenerys could have doubts about him. Was that just written badly? I don't, I don't really know what they were going for there. Like it was there were they trying to show like even great minds can make bad, like mess up and make mistakes. I don't know. I I don't know what they were trying to say. If that was a little bit more like a little clear, I think I'd be a little happier with it, but just as a whole, I love Tyrion's story. He was so fun. Every he was pretty much great with anyone he was on screen with. I was like excited to see him in every single pairing. Of course, everyone was like, finally get us with him and Daenerys. And that did not (laughs) disappoint. That was some good stuff. Sophie Turner. 
was, I think, the most improved from season one to season eight. Yeah. While she was not bad in season one, I'm not saying that, but just definitely like, even from just the character standpoint, she was very much, and I think it was very much intentioned this way. She was the, a bit of a brat, you know, a, mm-hmm. just a bit of a brat character. You know, they were all just, they weren't living important lives. They were just, you know, in the North doing their own thing. She was more involved with just daily living. And then, bam, they're thrown into the King's Landing. They're important. They're connected to the King. She's, oh, wow, she's betrothed to the King. Wow, the King is terrible. And just from there, it just snowballs. And she goes through so much to come out of it. One of the most strong and determined and just just like I guess most badass characters of the show was just so great to see. And Sophie Turner really owns that. Mesa Williams, as I said before, did her thing. Grindelwald Christie is <sighs> Brianna Tarth was a character that I think could have faltered in different hands, but it was just the way Brianne was, was presented the, a lot of, a lot of acting in her face. She yeah. did a bunch of like, like release, like a lot of like furring her eyebrows the disgust she'd wear on her face when Tormund would look at her. <laughs> um, how she, when she would be really thrown off at something Jamie would say, she'd be like, she, she wouldn't know really know how to act. Yeah. She'd be like flustered and everything. That was done so well. Grindelwald Christie really, I thought, really commanded that role. <sighs> I don't know who to vote for. <laughs> Amelia Clark was great too. I gotta go with my heart. And my heart says Lena Headey. I think I I think she deserves the praise for for everything she did in that role. So I, I'm gonna stick with my guns, Cersei. Kyle, who you got? This is impossible. This is truly truly impossible. I mean, I. It's also funny seeing all these people. I don't want to say it's like a curse to be on Game of Thrones, but a lot of these people really have not. It's not their fault, but just they don't seem to have any other standout roles. Like, I mean, you know, Peter Dinklage has some other stuff, and Lena Headey is great in the Sarah Connor Chronicles. But, like, I feel like both, especially with Maisie and Sophie, the X-Men franchise deserves both of them an apology. Because while I like Sophie as Jean Grey, obviously the movies she's in are, are not great. And then Maisie, I'm not even going to talk about New Mutants. I mean, it's just a bad movie. She's, she's great in it, but it's a bad movie. Uh, I, I do remember seeing... Dark Phoenix came out, I think it was like either right. It, it was literally like weeks after the finale. It was very close to the series finale. Mm-hmm. And I made the mistake of going to see it in the theater uh, with my buddy Jason. Um, and there was some moment when she went like full Phoenix and there was like silence in the theater. And I just went queen in the north. And like the whole theater <laughs> was like, yes, <laughs> it was a bit of a gamble because I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but still, you know, it's game of Thrones, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she just deserves so much better than that movie. But like she, I agree about her being most improved. I think that that character just grows and like flourishes and becomes such a strong character. Uh, and then, you know, like for a while, like Danny is the face of Game of Thrones. I mean, she's the person that literally everyone talks about. There's so many people who name their kids Khaleesi and Daenerys and <laughs> might be regretting that now. I don't know. Uh, but Amelia Clark is just so good in the role because she's so like vulnerable, but so powerful and strong. But like you even get 
Damon, you mentioned this with Cersei, but I think Danny does it really well too. And like the kind of like the fake niceness when she's mm-hmm. interacting with Sansa, that's some great stuff. Like in the end when they're kind of going full umbrage with each other, great, great stuff. Um, but Cersei is great. Arya is great. This is like literally fucking impossible. So I'm going to do, I'm going to take your cue, Damon, and just go with my heart and like what leaps out first. And I, I'm going to go with Gwendolyn as Brienne. I think that, I think that she has just a rich and, and full arc. And when we were talking about all of these performances, like the image in my head I had was of that, just that beam that she has when she's knighted, like she's just fully full tears in her eyes. And she's just so happy when she is, she becomes a knight in, in a knight of seven, of the seven, seven kingdoms. And like, it's just a really, really sweet, powerful moment for a character who we all really rooted for. Like, I think the, the fan base, I don't think I've ever met anyone who's not a fan of Brienne, truly. Like, I, I know people who don't like Sansa, which, whatever. Like, I don't know why, but I know people who don't like s- certain characters. I don't know that I've ever met anyone who is not a fan of Brienne of Tarth. Um, and I think that she was just written so well. She had a perfect role to play in the series. And Gwendolyn just really kind of brought it home. So that's got to be my vote. Gotcha. If he had been in more in like three more episodes, would you have Oberyn on this list, Kyle? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> if if he was not in one season, uh, yeah, he's my so he's my unofficial favorite Thrones character. But if it's more, yeah, more than one season, I I had to count others. <laughs> Ryan, what's your vote? Yeah, um, uh, yeah, I'm going with Lady Heedy as Cersei Lannister. Um, I think she had um, the most consistently excellent performance as an actress throughout the show. Um, and I also think that um, Cersei, the character, did things that tracked with her um, most, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, God knows Cersei made many mistakes <laughs> in the show, but all of them, you could look at it and you could be like, yep, that is something Cersei would do. And so I, I think um, that is a, a testament to um, to give the writers some praise uh, since we've dumped them so much. And also just... Um, Again, like I said, the, the consistently phenomenal performance of Lena Headey. So she is uh, my choice. All right. Lena with the win. Cersei wins in the end. You know, unfortunately, that did not happen for her in the series. She could have just moved over two steps. <laughs> she would have been fine. <laughs> she got crumbled. Yeah. Let's stand here in this pile that, that just randomly fell on us. Oh. And the Effie goes to Lena Headey as Cersei Lannister. Here are the nominees for Best Memory. All right. Best Memory. Staple of of the Effies here. Best Scene of the Series. Some some standouts, okay? Got to narrow it down to an actual scene moment. It's tough. Ryan, what you got? Um... I don't know. Can you guys come back to me? I, um, I'm still trying <laughs> to think about this one. So. Yes, yes, we can. Kyle, do you, do you have your nom picked yeah. out? I, I'm i probably going to mention a couple, but to get the ball rolling, I'm going to say one that I haven't even mentioned this character, and now I feel bad because I love him. Uh, I'm going to mention Hold the Door. Hold the Door! Uh, yeah. It, this is just such a cool moment because it's not only fucking gutting i mean it's so sad because hodor is just <laughs> protect hodor uh but 
it's just such a cool revelation of like, oh, that's like that's not just a personal tick that he says that. That's why he says that. Like, it's just this cool time bending moment. You really get like Brand's uh, abilities are sometimes really muddied and like we don't fully understand it, like why it matters in the series. And that's a great moment of importance of him discovering this this truth uh, about what's happening. And then yeah, Hodor just. The, I forget the actor's name when I feel really bad, but he performs it so well and it's just devastating. And it's just this, it's, it's one of those, I think it was similar to uh, the red wedding. If I, I might be mistaken here, but, but I somehow remember it being the final scene in the episode because it kind of played into the, the credits uh, that might be incorrect, but I just, I think maybe it it's just that maybe it's just that I was still hearing him saying Hodor by the end of the episode. Cause it's so, it's just, ah, it's tragic. Just him just saying Hodor over the, over and over again during the credits. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's, I, I like it because it's a very sad moment, but it also serves a story function in that it like, it's a great revelation moment as well. So I've got to, got to vote or nominate, hold the door. The actor's name is Kristen Nairn. Yes. Um, it actually like, I found out after the show, of course, he's a big DJ and he's just been yes. touring like he's years. incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good one. Ryan, have you figured out one? Or you want me to go? Uh, Yeah, you could go and then I'll, I'll go after you. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you picked Hodor because I was going to go with this for the uh, mic drop, but I felt like this was more of a best scene because it was just so good. Yeah. Mine is one we just just talked about. Brienne is knighted. Mm hmm. This was the best part of season eight, hands down. One of the best parts of the whole series. Just like we said before, Brienne's arc was great. You really don't know how important she's going to be. Like I said earlier, you meet all these side characters, really supporting roles, very minor roles even. They're there. You see what they're about. And then like may some of them don't become anything until two seasons later. And we go on this journey from Brienne. You know, she's, you know, just there for the... Um, Crap. What are their names? Um, I'm blanking. Tyrells. Yes. Mm -hmm. She wants to be the knight for, for the Tyrells. And then, you know, he's he's slain by the shadow, by the shadow baby, which was just a <laughs> batshit scene. And then she's just becomes a, you know, a, a hand for for the Starks, for Catherine. And from there, we just get this just big journey for that. And Jamie and she just never back she never wavers in who she is she always knew what she was she was a knight and so for us to see her become a knight was just all just amazing just inspiring and yeah it was definitely probably some tears rolling during that scene so that was fantastic that's my pick all right ryan where do you 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 the moment is here what's your nom <laughs> Yeah, um, that's that's good. I almost went with um, the one you just got, Damon. Um, so I guess I will go with um, the scene where um, they nominate John to be King of the North after they've won Winterfell back. Um, just a, a great performance um, by, especially by Bella Ramsey um, as a Lady Mormont um, to sort of reaffirm um, her and their loyalty to the Starks and to shame the other Northern Lords who were not there when uh, the Starks needed them. And um, it's just a great 
rousing moment for the North to come together um, and, and name John their king and uh, place their, their faith in him. Um, and it really unheard of rise as someone who started off as, as a bastard and then, you know, was in the Night's Watch. And so to to have that moment um, where he, he culminated um, and, and being the, the king of the North um, was really cool. I love it. All right. Do we have any other noms to throw in there? Kyle, you got another? Uh, yeah, I also want to mention, I mentioned it before, but Tyrion's, Tyrion's trial and the laws of gods and men is just, oh, it's so good. It's so, it's, it's, it's what I love about Game of Thrones is like, you just love to watch all of this backstabbing and like political intrigue. And it's just, this is the culmination of it, of like him. Tyrion really tries to hold out and believe that his father is going to have his back at any point and this is when he really i think it really finally sinks in that he his father is just never gonna favor him and is never gonna be there for him and also the the double kind of backstab of realizing that shay has been used to against him is brutal yeah it's so sad because that's like the one of the one people that's like the one person in this show that he was really vulnerable with and he really like he loved her i mean it's just it's 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 brutal question yeah. Do y'all think Shay did it? Like, when do y'all think she flipped? Like, do y'all think it was because she he started pushing her away and she was just like finally like, okay, fine then. You want me gone, I'll I'll do this. Or was it like kind of the whole time? I was I think it's sorry, what do you think? No, I, I just I, I personally think like she it was the switch. Like I, I think she was in in like all in until yeah. like he sh- he started pushing her away. Yeah, I agree. I I think um, I I don't think she was you know betraying him the whole time. I do think it was when he started to push her away and then and then really um, went after her that that she flipped. But the which fact- is what makes it that makes it so much sadder because like he didn't trust anyone and that's the one person he really could have like if he didn't push her away in the first place then that could have been the one person who was in his corner at that trial so it's but he was trying to save her right. by not getting killed which was going to happen yeah and then she decides to sleep with tywin yeah there's not like that's just too much like it's like i get you wanting to like get like sure betray him sure but like that was that was a step too far. Like she yeah. knew what Tywin was to him. Mm-hmm. That was like that was a personal like just as trying to hurt him as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that just okay. that scene and in, and in, in, in all of that is just so compelling. And then that kind of that breaking point where Tyrion just snaps and he's just like, fuck it. Like, I wish I wish I was the monster you all make me out to be is really phenomenal. And then also like this is not an extra nom because it's removed from this but like carrying out from that when he's in the cell and Oberyn comes to tell him I'll be your champion that's a really cool moment like the music swells kind of in the background and it's it's a very cool moment for both of them but I I want to mention Tyrion's trial because it's just ooh, it's just such good acting I like it Ryan did you have any others um yeah I, I guess um the Winds of Winter, um, it, this is one of the, because Talmadge is a character that he had mentioned yet, so this is a um, character that hasn't gotten mentioned that um, I think should be at some point, is my 
either my favorite or second favorite uh, non-main character besides Braun, Marjorie Tyrell. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought her in the high, um, in the Sept of Aelor, um, realizing the only one, she's the only one that realizes that something is terribly wrong and she's trying to convince everyone to leave and um, they just can't. And then she has to watch um, Lancel be, um, or not Lancel, uh, Loris, um, you know, be mutilated with the, the star. And then she's trying to convince everyone, you know, we need to leave. There's a, there's a reason that Cersei's not here um, and it's not a good one. Um, and uh, unfortunately, um, like Oberyn, she gets taken out way too soon. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a really good one. I, I don't really have any other ones. I like. I mean, it, I could put all the best deaths we talked about and best fights. Those are all equally just a, exciting scenes. But I, I think I think we have the ones that I would vote for here. Um, I'm going to vote for Hodor holds the door. That was on my list. I I think it was just emotionally poignant. It was a great way to end that season. We find out about a character that we've loved the whole time. You know, we find out exactly what the Three Eyed Raven can do and how they can alter, like how they can connect time. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that we never saw it again was just kind of really underwhelming. But like the fact that it had something to do important with Holdor was great and so heartbreaking so that's my vote kyle what's yours man i i'm torn between that one and brienne i think i think i'm gonna go with brienne because i think i I think as as fans we really like deserved that scene if that makes sense like we for a show that's like so brutal we just we've been through like so much watching that show we deserved a moment of like pure joy and like happiness. And that's, that's what that is. It's just such a, she, she deserved it as well. Like Brienne comes such a long way. And for her, I even, I love how it begins with like Tormund kind of with this like offhand remark of like, you're not knighted yet. Like why, why not? I, I would knight you in a heartbeat or whatever. And it's kind of him trying to get in her pants again. And I, I love them. I, I love their dynamic, but like, it's just like this op, you don't think it's going to amount to anything. And then Jamie, it like really comes up and's like, all right, let's do it. Let's knight you. And I, I love how Brienne, she, Gwendolyn plays it so well when she kind of like shrugs it off. She's like, whatever. And then you see in her eyes, like you were saying, Damon, she has a lot of like great facial acting. And when it sinks in that she's really going to be knighted, you can see just her whole face just softens. And she's like, holy shit, like I've wanted this for so long. Uh, and it's it's really powerful. The, the music is incredible. And it's just, it's great for both her and for Jamie as characters. And uh, when we did our 2010s uh, Children of the Two episode, you know, our friend Anna drafted this show and mentioned this scene. And then she said, I like to think in my head, this is when the show ends. And I agree. This is the show ends and they lived happily ever after. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Kyle, I mean, that's a great vote. Ryan, what are you voting for? Yeah. Um to pick a winner, I will go with that one as well. Um, Brienne being knighted. Um, I, my actual vote would uh, be for Tyrion's trial because that is just a, a great and phenomenal scene for all the reasons that Kyle outlined. But yeah, um, Brienne being knighted was um, spectacular, and uh, yeah, definitely the highlight of the last season. So see, when we say we don't need the last season, we what we mean by it is 
we need the last the, the first two episodes because <laughs> that is one of this we have said that's the best scene of the series so we have to ke- get to at least that point right and then we're good yeah <laughs> all right let's move on and the effie goes to brienne of tarth is knighted and here are the nominees for game of the year game of the year we're down to the wire we've got two awards left this is our the best episode of the series our favorite episode <laughs> another impossible task so let's kick things off damon what is your nominee for game of the year all right so i've, I've mentioned slightly before i i've been you know re-watching shows and and giving them nice rankings and i did thrones the, a couple of months back and, you know, I do these rankings on the episodes. There's no preciseness to it at all. There's no formula. I, there's no point because at the end of the day, it's just if that formula had said something, and I was like, yeah, but I like this episode more. I'd want that episode higher. It's just a, a feel that you get. And when I ended up with what was at the end, I was like, yeah, I think that at the end of the day, that's the episode that just overall hits so many notes it has a little bit of everything, what it means for the show, visually, musically, it just everything is perfect, heartbreaking, and you don't know what's going to happen next, and you're just ready for it. Um, Winds of Winter is is my nom. It's just, you get the sept, that whole thing, and then not only that, but then you get the, you know, you get, um, that's the episode with John and, and Danny, right? Am I conflating things or am I tripping? Uh, I don't think he meets her until season seven. Seven. That's right. That's yeah. right. What What happens at the very end of seasons of this episode? That's when you find out about John's parentage. You get the yeah. That's, rest that's of what the, it is. Tower of Joy. Um, scene. Yeah. Another that's, great musical moment. <laughs> yes, that's the that's the scene I was thinking of. I knew it was a very very critical scene. The scene that we've talked about before that really leads to some important stuff that maybe should have been more important. <laughs> um, but yeah, the winds of winter was just, just an episode to a force. Like it shows what Cersei was going to do. You have like the whole plot, you know, storyline with her and the sparrow was intense a little bit too much at that. I was like, not, for the high sparrow i was ready for the high sparrow to go but then you're just like oh damn not like this <laughs> not taking marjorie with like no nah, not marjorie just oh man everything about it was just a lot and it was fantastic i love that one so that's my nom ryan what's yours yeah um jeez there's so many um I will go with one that um, is really good and that I was bummed that missed out on um, the the best fight. And I will go with um, season two, episode nine, Blackwater. Mm. And it's um, it's definitely, even though we couldn't quite fit it in, it's, it's one of the best battles on the show. Um, it's just the, the planning, um, the, the trick with the wildfire and how that comes off visually is spectacular um it's emotional you know we we make jokes about um davos just like forgetting about his family but um it is really emotional when his uh, his son dies in the episode and then um you know right at the end when you're you're not sure who's gonna win and and cersei is prepared to you know 
kill herself and uh, her children and and Sansa to prevent um, you know Stannis from taking them, and then you know Tyron rides in triumphantly, um, letting them know that they've won. And um, yeah, it's just uh, it's a it's a great battle, and then you have you know, Tyrion um, really uh, earning his stripes, I guess, as as a warrior, um, you know, not just as a um, a tactician. And so yeah, just from beginning to end, it's it's, it's a really good episode. That's a good one. Kyle, what's yours? Uh, I think I'm going to go with the season four finale, The Children, uh, season four, episode 10. Uh, I think that this caps off, like I've mentioned before, like a flawless season. I think that uh, you, I mean, you get Tyrion escaping, you get uh, kind of that final moment with him and Tywin, which I mentioned before him, you know, killing on the toilet. Um, I think that it perfectly wraps up that arc but you also i think this is the season that or the if i'm correct this is the episode that kind of caps off like john with he doesn't get killed by the night's watch but this is him uh i know something big happens with him and in, in the night's watch i just can't remember what because this is right after the battle right this is right after egret dies um yeah, I can't I can't think of it off the top of my head. Honestly, when I think of this season, I just think of Tyrion. So uh, but th- th- yeah, this is like him escaping. Uh, and then you get him with Varys at the end and the way he escapes. And that kind of opens the door of him eventually meeting Daenerys. And uh, I think it's just really, really well executed. And it's a great like kind of ending to a, a really great season. That's a great one. I love that episode. <clears throat> um, I definitely want to nom one more. It's hard home. I've talked yeah. about it at length already, but it's that episode just as far as enjoyment wise and just from beginning to end, I'm enwrapped with that. I I love John with the wildlings. I thought that was one of the strongest parts of seasons three and four, you know, and then to have him go back and try to talk it to them about this bigger threat was was great and then the whole fight and then just it ending like it did was just i loved it i love the white walkers i I thought they were so cool and what they could do seeing the night king what he could do and then seeing john just hold his own like we saw again just how how great of a swords you know swordsman that john is and he just wills himself to win for the most part when he's not getting stabbed in the back (laughs) um so that would be my other one um ron you got another nom yeah i I feel like we have to do um the episode with the red wedding um season three episode nine the reigns of casimir um even before the the red wedding sequence like you just the way they build it up you just you have a feeling of unease the whole time uh even though you don't really suspect what's actually going to happen but from everything from you know Grey Wind um, being locked in the cage and and being upset and you know you could you could just feel something's not right and then um, it's definitely not um, a festive occasion uh, even though that is what it's supposed to be theoretically so um, yeah that that episode I, I think definitely needs to be mentioned. Kyle, you got another one? Uh, yeah, I also want to mention. Um... Uh, the Watchers on the Wall, which is the episode before my original nominee, the uh, Battle of Castle Black, basically, which Ryan mentioned earlier. But yeah, that battle is incredible. Um, 
But you also have, I, th- I think this is the episode, it's either this or the one I mentioned, the finale, where you get a really, really great exchange between uh, Tyrion and Jamie, which is Tyrion really, really like acknowledging that Jamie, as faulted as their relationship can be and as this family can be, acknowledges that Jamie, like, you're the only one that really, like, saw me. And I think that that, that it's a really powerful moment. Um, but it's, it's mostly this is just for that battle. Like the, the Castle Black battle is just something something to behold. And it's just, it's paced really well. The episode, it doesn't feel like it's, some of these episodes really kind of drag. And this one doesn't feel like it's too long. It just kind of open opens and shuts. And it feels like it's very, it's very tight. So I had to pick that one. This is another tough one, y'all. I, I don't know where I'm voting. This is um, one of the only awards where I have a clear vote. All right, then what's your vote? I you you snagged it before I could, but the, it's the winds of winter. I, I think this is probably as close as you can get to a perfect episode of television. I, I think that every beat hits. I mean, I love obviously the standout is the beginning with like the lighting of the seven, but you or the sept, but you also get uh, Arya. Um, I th- I don't think that her exchange with Walder is in this, but you do have her. Uh, I think it's when she is this when she kills the mini the mini face man or is that you know what I'm going to look that up right now and see what what she was doing in that episode yeah um, she, she kills Walder in the next episode is the the premiere of season seven that's right um yeah I'm trying to this is it this is the episode this no, is that's the what episode? makes the winter so good yeah it is. <laughs> Okay, yeah, because yeah. I, I knew it was like it really does a great job of balancing all the different storylines. So like you have that, you have Sam and Gilly getting to the Citadel, which is really cool. Um, obviously, like Ryan mentioned, this ends with with Brand discovering uh, John's heritage, um, which is a great moment. Yeah, it's just like it. There's so many plot lines that come to a head in this. Um, you even have. I, Tyrion has already met Danny at this point, I think, but this is when he tells her, like, I have not had many things to believe in, but like, I believe in you, which is a really, their, their dynamic is really strong in this season. I love that moment. You also get Danny, like, basically breaking up with Dario, which is really sad because I, I like Dario a lot. I think he's a great character and her telling him to stay behind is, is a really great moment. But this is just one of those episodes that just like perfectly, it ha- it juggles so many different storylines and it does, it gives them all really great moments. So that's, that's my vote. So, yeah. Um, th- that's why, the winds of winter takes my vote also because i forget the fact that everything happens in it <laughs> you have the sept you have aria killing walter Frey. you have essentially the um you have john becoming the king of the north yep like all of that in there is just like all together just makes this episode amazing and then also you have, I think this is the episode where Daenerys is pretty much has her people on the ships and they're f- sailing into Westeros. Yeah. yeah. So like, this is like where things are about, like things are, everything is coming to a head and everything yeah. is starting to happen. It's like, oh wow, this is it. So that's gotta be my vote as well. Ryan, what's yours? Yeah, it's a clean sweep. Um, the winds of winter. Um, uh, you know, 
we've talked about uh, obviously the show has many high points um but i, I for me that that's clearly the top um for all the reasons that you guys gave um it's just a, a phenomenal episode of television and the effie goes to season six episode 10 the winds of winter and here are the nominees for you win or you die you win or you die great words by cersei lannister <laughs> But for this award, we're talking about the best season. What season just stood above the rest? There was eight. Some amazing, some not so. Season eight will not be on this list. Uh, I hope not. It will be vetoed. But other than that, I, I, I wonder where we're going to lead. Ryan, what's your vote? What's your nom, I mean? Yeah, there are two that I've gone back and forth on. Um, but I will go with season six. Um, I, I just think it, it has so many great moments, great payoffs, great action. Um, from, uh, you know, starting off the bat, Sansa and Theon escaping from Ramsey, um, and then being rescued by Brienne. And then you have... Um, the John and Sansa reunion at Castle Black, which I think is uh, an underrated great moment on the show. Um, you have, um, you know, Daenerys uh, returning after Marines and Chaos and um, just taking out the um, the Masters and the Attackers and, and a truly great sequence, um, which is also in the, the Battle of the Bastards episode, which we mentioned um, and then, which all leads to uh, what we just said was the best episode in the show, uh, The Winds of Winter. So I think um, from start to finish, it's it's just a great season. And uh, that's going to be my choice. Love it. Kyle, what's your nom? Uh, yeah, so I've, I've referenced it, mentioned it many times. I'm going to go with season four. Um, I think that from the, the plot line of, you know, Joffrey's murder with Tyrion's trial, you get Oberyn Martell just really making his mark in one season. Um, and then you have, you know, John being challenged by the wildlings and, and that culminating in that battle. I, I think you also get some great shenanigans of Arya and the Hound. And like, I just think that this season really when I first watched the show, so I, I I was very late to Game of Thrones. I had never seen it. And then finally, and I think it was in the break in between seasons seven and eight. I, it was like my last chance. I was like, all right, this is like the biggest show ever. I want to be able to watch the final season of it live. So I, and I had time because there was like quite a bit of time between season seven and eight. So I watched all of it. And when I got to season four, I was already pretty in and invested and I really liked it. But season four just really like elevated it. And I was like, wow, this is like one of my favorite TV shows. I mean, it's just it, it's just incredible storytelling. There's so much payoff. Uh, I think the performances are like at their best in this season. So, yeah, I've, I've got to go with season four. All right. I'm going to nominate season three. Um, I thought season three was great. This is when we essentially get John meeting the Wildlings. Um, it's essentially the love story of him and uh, and Egret. Uh, we got some great ones. Like, I mean, of course, you have the Reigns of Castamere. You have it now. His watch has ended. I believe that's when uh, John has to uh, fight the 
the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he won't die. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have the climb, which I believe is the episode where him and Eager to start really bonding and and falling in love. Yeah, that one was so fun. And if I'm not mistaken, that's the episode where Littlefinger gives the chaos is in a pit. Chaos is a ladder. Uh, quote, if I'm not mistaken, at the end mm-hmm. of that. Um, you also have Misa, which I believe is such a great episode. Any of the episodes where you see Daenerys just winning over leagues and leagues of people doing amazing things are, are great. Season three was just like a kind of like a bridge, you know, it was between the more political driven, like wanderings of King's Landing in the first two seasons. And then we're really really starting to expand in season three we're starting to meet a lot more people setting up a lot more stuff and also season three is is a lot of rob okay it's a lot of rob story which i loved and then it just ends brutally with the reigns of castamere <laughs> so yeah it's just a yeah, man uh, i also uh this is also when i think Arya is on the run with hot pie and gendry in them yeah we meet the brotherhoods with no banners yeah. and everything. We get a lot of little stuff that that really is a lot of plot points that uh, branch out in the future. So, I, like I said, I, I really think season three is where this the story just really starts expanding and starts doing a lot of fun things. So that's my nom. Did we want to nominate any other ones, or are we gonna, we going to keep it to these three? I think we have the clearly the the best three. Um, season yeah. two is good. Um, and personally, I think season seven is uh, underrated. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, I think we have the best choices. So. Okay, now to vote. Ryan, what's your vote? Oof. Jeez, it's it's really tough. Um, I'm going to stand by my pick and go with season six. But um, if any of these win, it would be well-deserved. They're all really good seasons. So, Kyle, what's your vote? Uh, just to give love to all three of them. So, like season three, Damon, like you mentioned, it is, it is does a really good job of really beginning to expand things and like take this into a really like an epic of a series. It also is the beginning of like the Brie and Jamie stuff. I mean, you get the the bath scene with Brian and Jamie in this. You get him losing his hand and fighting the bear. Uh, you get some really incredible stuff there. Um, and then you know I, I've already mentioned season four, but season. I think Ryan actually might have just sold me on what my actually my actual favorite season of Game of Thrones is because I was just thinking about season six and I was like, holy shit, like so much goes down in this season. Uh, it's just incredible how much they packed into it. Um, season six also has what I think is a pretty underrated little plot line. It doesn't last very long, but it's the Hound's return and like kind of getting revenge on those guys who uh, I forget Ian McShane's character's name, but that that all that stuff is really, really fun. Um, and I, I was really happy to see the hound come back after we thought he was dead. So uh, that's I think that's my vote. I think season six is just just a phenomenal season of television. All right. Well, my vote is season four, um, but season six gets the W. Uh, like I said before, I, I do my rankings and season both. These are my top two. Very, very, very close. But I think season four just etches it out just like. For me, season four just has a couple more high quality episodes. You know, I think season six's highs are a little higher, but I think season four is a little more consistent. 
I can't complain about that, though. I mean, season six, like we said, has the best episode of the series. A lot is going on. Uh, let me just point out a couple really highlights of season four, though. You got the mountain and the viper. You know, of course, the trial by combat, the watchers on the wall we've talked about before. One of the best fight scenes. Um, you have the children, which is one of Kyle's favorite episodes. That rings high up on mine, number nine. I mean, a lot's going on in that. You have the lion and the rose, the death of Joffrey. You have the laws of gods and men, the trial. I mean, you have Oathkeeper. Um, you just <sighs> season four stacked, and I would have gone with that, but I mean, season six has so much going on. You have Winds of Winter. You have Battle of the Bastards. You have um. Let's see. Hold the door. Mm. Oathbreaker. <laughs> um, no one. Oh, man. Books of the Stranger. There's a lot. Those are. I can't be mad. Those are both amazing seasons. I'm glad season six won, but I would have gone season four. So we have a winner. And the Effie goes to season six. And we have an Effie's y'all. Um, that was a lot of fun uh, talking about Game of Thrones with y'all. <sighs> any any closing thoughts you wanted to say about the series before we get out of here, Ryan? Um, yeah, I, I think this, um, and again, we, we talked a lot about the last season and our issues with it, but I, I, I do think that preparing for this helped me appreciate it a bit more um, and just helped me highlight um, the, the good moments that this season had. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited for um, House of the Dragon, which seems like it's going to be early next year. So can't wait. Kyle, any closing thoughts? I I just am glad that we so we already did an Effie's for Lord of the Rings. But I I as much as I enjoy doing Effie's for like, you know, our Marvel movies and Marvel TV shows, it was really fun to recap like a show that is over so we can really appreciate it as a whole and like as a completed finished thing um and yeah like ryan said like flaws and all i mean getting to celebrate the the good stuff from this series really made me appreciate it is such a great show i mean it, it it's highs just are kind of unmatched like it's, it's just and the fact that it has such staying power like that i used to comment on the fact that it really seemed to kind of disappear out of people's minds after season eight. But I think that was a phase where people were just really trying to kind of bury it after it burned them so badly. A couple months later, it's now, you know, or what well, it was being talked about again. And it still is now, you know, like it, I, I think even if house of the dragon was not coming out, I think people would still be looking back at this show and rewatching it on HBO and just celebrating it. Cause it is, it's just a monumental achievement. I mean, it, I, I would encourage anyone who hasn't to check out the documentary they made about season eight, uh, you know, not a good season, but the documentary is incredible. It, it was basically this documentarian traveled to the set uh, and spent an entire year with the cast and crew. So they were able to document basically the entire making of the final season of Game of Thrones. So it's really in-depth. You get some incredible interviews from... I actually enjoyed not even like the cast stuff. I enjoyed all the behind the scenes, like the... The way they built the uh, Battle of Winterfell set was really, really cool. Even though we can't see most of it, you can see it in the documentary and it's <laughs> done really well. Uh, one of the best things about it is the guy who played the Night King. Uh, he's like had this incredible time playing him. And then they go to the premiere of the season and all these people are screaming like, oh, Night King, Night King. And he, you can see he's like so genuinely touched that people recognized him, which is a really cool moment. But um, 
yeah, it's just it's a phenomenal series. And I think that we were talking about this off off camera, but like this or like how I met your mother, like they could have screwed the pooch so badly and we would still be talking about the show because it's just there's something about it that just sticks with you. So it's a great show. It is. I mean, I, there's not much else to say. It's a show that I will think of fondly and rag on the eighth season together. You know, it goes hand in hand. <laughs> But, you know, that I mean, it's like life. You take the good with the bad. Not everything is going to be perfect. In that way, the show is very, very realistic in that, as, you know, in that manner. And the show is always trying to just be but that, like, kind of that bar between super realistic and fantasy. You know, it was a show that was steeped in, like, historical, like, trying to be his, as historically accurate as it can be in a world that's fake, you know. Um, as problematic as that ended up being along in some instances, but it's just a show that worked on so many levels. You could say it was boring, but in, even in the boring parts, I was in just enthralled with the characters. I wanted to know more about these characters. I wanted to spend more time with Tyrion and Daenerys and Davos and Bronn and, and my boy, John. Uh, I don't think John got talked enough about on this episode. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I wouldn't even call him the main character, but he was a protagonist main character type. And I thought he's one of my favorite types of those characters because so often they can be dull and boring and just like mm -hmm. someone you don't want to root for. I was rooting for John the entire time and I was rooting for Daenerys the entire time. It was just a show that was really complex and you really wanted to see these characters keep growing and and doing things and hopefully not die, even though half of them were going to. <laughs> so. I love the ride. I wouldn't change it for anything. And I cannot wait to see what House of Dragon gives us other than a character named Damon played by Matt Smith. What, what else can I ask for? I'm set. I forgot about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, that's it. And I, that was great. Thank you so much for joining us, Ryan. Uh, I believe we have you booked next for a songs draft. If I'm not mistaken. Or uh, I know we have you booked for something. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's a TV episode or something. Uh, like. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We have you booked for best TV episodes of 2021. Yeah. That's going to be a fun one. I can't wait. Um, but until then, Kyle, what do we got for the people coming up? Yeah. So next week we will be missing uh, Damon. He's going off to train to be Batman. Uh he won't tell me any other details, so he said he'd have to kill me if I asked more. Uh, so <laughs> I will be joined by guests uh, Austin and first-time guest Nick. Uh, we're going to be talking about stuff. Uh, rotten movies, basically movies that are certified rotten on Rotten Tomatoes that we like. We're going to be defending them. So who better to have on than Nick and Austin? Uh, it's going to be fun. We're going to be defending some really shitty movies that we love, which I can't wait. Nick and I are probably going to end up screaming at each other at some point during the episode. So can't wait for that. But until then, we'll catch y'all next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.